Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Hammerlock Hangover, guys. This is Steve. This is episode number 18. Thank you for joining us. As usual, I am joined by my partner in crime, Jeff. Jeff, what's it, what's going on tonight, buddy? Another day in paradise, Steve. Another day in paradise. I hear you. Um, we are also joined. We have a special guest this week joining us from uh, the Pro Wrestling Revolution Sorry, Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast, which you can find on the Pro Wrestling Hustle Network on Podbean. It is none other than the magnanimous, the scholarly, the glorious Professor Chabello Veracruz. Chabello, how are you? I'm doing good, Steve. I'm doing good, Jeff. How is everybody? How are the Hammerites doing out there right now? <laughs> this is the only objective man. In the IWC, YWC, this is the only objective man in pro wrestling punditry today. The ever glorious Professor Chabella Cruz. Thank you for having me on the Hammerlock. And thank, thank you, you for, for making coming. yourself available. Yeah, we, we believe in objectivity here to a point. You know, we still want to be entertaining, but we appreciate that objectivity. Uh, we tend to be a little bit objective ourselves, which sometimes gets objected to. And that's all right, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there was uh, lots of uh, buzz around our last episode, uh, episode 17, entitled Cool Story Bro, where we discussed <laughs> uh, the trial, the, the troubles and tribulations of being a moderator in a wrestling uh, Facebook group. And so we thought we'd continue a little bit of that discussion because we got a lot of positive feedback. And I want to thank all of the listeners that we got, we got a lot of new listeners coming into the Hammerlock Hangover. So if you're here for episode 18, thank you so much for tuning in and keep tuning in. We hope that you liked the last episode and like this one. And uh, please follow wherever you're listening to us. Uh, so that way we can kind of grow uh, the community at Hammerlock Hangover and keep talking about the things we love, which is wrestling. Chabello, um, you listened to that last episode and you hit us up. You had a lot of feedbacks and thought on that episode. One of the things that we heard about uh, was in all the rest, you know, there's a, everybody's got a wrestling podcast nowadays, but this conversation about the modding of a group and the activity and what goes on, what posts go up, what drives you nuts, what doesn't, that's never been had. And uh, People found it very interesting that that conversation was part of the show, and I think that's why it got so over. So that's why we thought it would be a good idea to bring you along, because you not only are a fellow podcast host, you talk, you love wrestling, you talk about wrestling on your podcast and other shows on the PW Hustle Network, but you are also a mod. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we thought it'd be a good idea to have you on. Tell me, what were your thoughts on that last episode? You know, like I said, you know, trying to be jokingly, but it is a thankless job of being a moderator or being an administrator of a Facebook group. Because initially, everybody wants to just have a group with their friends or colleagues who love wrestling, want to join and just have a good conversation, you know, good debates back and forth. Who's the GOATs of all time? Of course, it's John Cena for me, but that's a different story for another day. But (laughs) like I would say, I'm a mod and an admin of two groups. The PW Hustle, the original ones. I, I'm a, I'm one of the founding members of the PW Hustle, so I am an admit, 
admin on that one. And of course, I do the PWR podcast slash PWSL2. I'm an administrator. Wait, wait, does, does that mean that you are a tenured professor? Yes, I am. Excellent. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a doctorate on this one. But uh, like I said, I, I'm an admin of two places there, the PWSL, the original one, the PWSL2. And you and I know Jeff is a, a member of both of them, and he, he sees the different stylings of the PWSO and the PWSO2. And I'll be just quick about this because the PW Hustle is kind of like the no holds barred of Facebook groups. I mean, we allow people to express themselves politically, socially, sports wise. It's a and I call it the 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 dozens group because you got to have a thick skin to be in the original PW Hustle group. If you and it actually you know controls itself because if you don't like what you hear you don't like what you see you don't like the opinions then you just kind of like freely get out of it and you know and i notice it and then when the numbers go down of 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 people who are part of the group i'm like okay somebody couldn't take a joke or somebody can't take the comments or everything now pwl so two i control that a little bit more there because that's a more nostalgic part so i try to keep that as a fun kind of old school thing but of course people have all those you know i know jeff always like to put put his uh, ring of honor stuff there but of course it's very fun it's very more loose but we try to, i try to keep more of a control on the pws too because i want to keep it nostalgic and fun that's my you know goal of that one so it's very hard to like keep a balance of both of them but you know it runs itself sometimes steve what's you know, more fun than pure style ring of honor wrestling What's that? Everything else? What, what's more old? <laughs> what's more old school than pure style Ring of Honor wrestling? That is the purest of them all. And Steve said, "Well, I said, what's more fun than that?" He goes, "Everything else." <laughs> <laughs> Chabello, I want to. You know, you brought up an interesting topic, and that's something that we didn't talk about last week. Was in the absence of a moderator, there's a lot of people that believe the group will moderate itself. If you post 20 times a day the same nonsense, the group will backlash at you and shut your shit down. And in the hopes that you will, you know, curb your overposting. But mm -hmm. I've seen many places where that doesn't work, where people just barrage through that attitude and just keep posting, you know, Hey, Kyle O'Reilly uh, had a seizure uh, and post that into like every group. And then you find out that it's not, which we'll talk about later on in the episode. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that attitude of, you know, hey, sometimes you need a mob, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes it can just police itself. Well, I, I think it just goes with the number in your groups. I mean, if you have a couple of hundred in one group and a couple of thousand in a different group, I think the numbers speak for itself because if you you really have to control those kind of posts if you're like, you know, a thousand, two thousand, six thousand members or twenty thousand members. Like I'm in one of those groups, one of those wrestling groups has like seventeen thousand members and you know, it could get really redundant to see the same post over and over again. So I mean if you're Absolutely. in a couple of hundred, it's more controllable from my experiences. I don't know. Um, you, know you, might, you guys might disagree with that, but that, the way I see it, it's more easier in the hundreds than in the thousands. In the thousands, I would think, think moderators have got to be on their toes trying to like curtail, like, okay, we'll credit the first two, but then the next kind of hundred, y'all got to, you know, we got to like dismiss it. I don't even really think it's necessarily about the numbers. Uh, I think there's a certain point where 
you hit a, a tipping point where the numbers no longer matter because in every group there's usually some percentage that's active after a while and other people just sort of fade away they're still in the group uh maybe the duplicate posting but not really the activity um but yeah i i mean listen we, we talked about me enough last week but but the issue was that well partly and largely that that page it belongs to a, a very big podcast in in the wrestling world and that that person has a brand and his brand is somewhere between like a, a parallel in wrestling would be the metaphor be it's somewhere between wwe ruthless aggression and pg era that's the brand that that's the parameters you know a little bit of rated r superstar but that's about it you know but definitely not attitude era and you know he won't he needed that brand protected he also didn't want there to be copyright strikes so you have people posting you know what they're watching on tv and putting the tv or posting things they weren't from like impact.com or you know or, or the, the an official youtube channel you know something that has the share function that somehow they were pirating something like a scene from wwtv that it's not from the network that's not from the the replay network where you can share it that's a copyright strike um you know so you know we're trying uh, to keep it yeah, i I, to I totally agree with that because i think when you're monetizing yourself you're branding yourself you're trying to get to that next level you have to be very careful with all the copyrights yeah. that you're talking about because you know we at the pw hustle when we do the the youtube stuff you know our original channel got shut down thanks to new japan but you know i we think it was Billy Ray Valentine who you put the voodoo curse, the coronavirus curse on Japan itself. But that's just another story for another day. But New Japan shut our original channel down because we, you know, A Track Brown, the dirtiest of the city, likes to, you know, he, you know, gives homage to what he says. He gives homage to New Japan. New Japan says, no, you're using our image, you're using our copyrights, and we cannot have that. So we've stopped. He stopped doing that. So, you know, it's very it's a very tricky situation. If we were monetizing Facebook and all the other social media platforms, then we'd be, you know, we would have a different discussion. I have I have to ring in a track be like, look, you gotta be careful because you know, you know, truth be told, it's a very difficult it's hard, goddamn. I'm not getting paid to control a track brown, but you know, I gotta let a track be free like a bird. I hear you. If you guys are unfamiliar with A-Track, I mean, he is a, a quite a personality in the wrestling uh, community. And uh, he, he's he's known not only for being in the wrestling community, but he is also known for his reaction videos to The Walking Dead. I feel like this man, th they look for him at The mm -hmm. Walking Dead on AMC and they're like, yo, let's put this screenshot of this dude on. Like every other week he's on their, their main page on YouTube. I have but, no uh, idea how he's not famous. No idea how he's not famous, but you know what you need to control him? You need It needs to be like Jurassic Park. You need to have like the army of people who are surrounding the uh, velociraptors and then the electric fence and, and then an outer perimeter security and all sorts of things. You need you need like a four-level maximum security system to even – you can't control him. You can only hope to contain him. But you know, Jeff, what happens? Eventually get eaten by the velociraptor. I, you can only control it so much. No, well, that's, that's true. You have to keep lots of red meat there to 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 keep to keep them happy as well. I mean, luckily the the gods of wrestling and pop culture keep keep giving stuff. Mm -hmm. We hope to have track on a future episode. We've tried to get him on before, but our schedules just didn't uh, uh, get into sync. But maybe uh, we'll be able to introduce him to the Hammerlock Hangover 
what'd you call them? The Hammerites? The Hammerites. I like that. Um, Very biblical. Chabella, before we close this discussion, I do want to talk about two other things related to it. You know, the wrestling community can also be very toxic, right? So we spoke about, you know, the the backlash that uh, Jeff was getting after, you know, just, again, he didn't really announce his, his departure. He just, you know, walked off into the sunset and then everybody was like, ding dong, the witch is dead. And then uh, m- multiple posts throughout the weekend in that group we're celebrating his his departure. Still going, apparently. Why do you think... I can't you know, see him, bitches. I can't <laughs> see him. <laughs> why, why do you think... Why do you think that part of the wrestling community is so toxic? Oh, that's a long question and, and a long answer, which I'll try to abbreviate as best as I can, but... To me, in my objective state here, guys, I look at it this way. People have tunnel vision when it comes to anything critiquing WWE, whether it's a shoot angle or anything. You could look at a wrestler's win-loss record in a WWE. You could look at a six-month booking plan for WWE, and it'll be ridiculed, criticized, analyzed, overanalyzed on the WWE scale. Now, whether it's Impact, New Japan, AEW, I don't see that. And I'm being very nice here. And some people will say, no, 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 I'm very objective. Hell no. I'll give you the percentage of objectivity. Me, you, and you are probably the only objective people that will actually give it to the most objective angles that we can. Because we look at it like anything. We don't have tunnel vision. We will, if I see something I don't like in WWE, I'm going to be objective and consistent. That's the problem with the wrestling community. They're not consistent. They're subjective. They're fanboys. And they want to, you know, if you want to tr- trash Colorado for trying to do an angle, a seizure angle, then be consistent with, with a, what? A kidnapping angle on AEW with Marco Stunt. Be consistent with stupidity <laughs> on AEW Dynamite. Just be consistent. You know, I just, that's the problem with the toxicity of the, the wrestling community. It's more being fanboy, the fanboy-ish stuff from them. That's what it is. They just don't like WWE. They don't want to admit it. They just don't like it. You're saying it's a double standard. Yes, it is. If you're going to criticize WWE for X, then when X shows up on AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor, then you better bring that same energy. Yes. Absolutely. Agree with you. 1000%. Let's talk a little bit about wrestling now. Let's talk about some AEW. Last night, a good amount of stuff to talk about from AEW. Most notably, what I want to talk off the bat is the stuff with Kenny Omega and John Moxley. We had uh, the show close out with Omega. Uh, pretty much uh, telling Moxley that their next match at this pay-per-view, uh, AEW Revolution, I'm going to try not to be JR. I almost called it NXT. Uh, JR called uh, Omega the WWE champion, if you didn't know. Uh, oh, I know. Last you, show. you sure JR didn't say takeover is going to happen? <laughs> That's right. AEW Revolution at this uh, next pay-per-view, they're going to have an exploding barbed wire death match. Um. I'll start with you, Jeff, because you 
have a lot of opinions on this angle, how this came about. So go right ahead. What are your thoughts on on the way AEW ended last night with this angle? Okay. Well, I think you do this on purpose. You always throw me off by going out of order. So there may be things I, I cover again later, but just sticking to this match, um, because there was another Omega sequence or, or segment earlier, which I actually found very entertaining. Um, well, not it was funny. Uh, Omega comes out and he says, I got my belated Valentine's gift from Tony Khan. It's a contract with a rematch clause. Now it seems like that would be a gift for Moxley as a belated Valentine's gift. And he's like, but I get to make the stipulation in the match and I'm going to choose this exploding barbed wire death match at Revolution, which is completely a John Moxley type of match, not an Omega type of match. So this makes no sense. It would have made sense if Moxley picked the stipulation. And this has re been repeated time and time again with AEW. Brody Lee picks the strap match when he's has the title and nobody's been running from anyone. Just, just ex examples of, of things like that where it's like the wrong person choosing the stipulation. Uh, you have Cody offering that I'll never get my I'll never get a AEW World Title match again if I don't beat you, MJF. No, MJF should be ch should be challenging him to that. Um, so it didn't make any sense. If you're Omega and you get to choose the stipulation, and you've got the Good Brothers on your side and Don Callis and you know seemingly the Bullet Club and Kenta, you're going to say I want a no disqualification match or Falls Count Anywhere match or something like that where you can you can get the outside interference of your crew. This made no sense. So I thought this made very little sense, which is sort of par for the course. So I didn't, I didn't love this. And this was not the only con contract related buffoonery in the in this show. I will say that this show, my main takeaway from it was omissions, and there were omissions. The omission of logic, I'll, I'll use for this one, but also no Kenta. Kenta wasn't there. Kenta should have showed up and, and helped with the beatdown as well. Yes, he was mentioned in Moxley's promo, but. I mean, if you want to build that up, couldn't he have been there? Shouldn't he have been there? So Kenta was there, but nobody saw him. That's, that's what it is. He's just Kenta was there, but nobody saw him because he's so small. <laughs> Professor, what did you think of this exploding barbed wire deathmatch stipulation? Something you're looking forward to? Uh, I thought Kenta was in catering, just in case. I don't know. You know, maybe he's, he's there with there he's next. there with Apollo Cruz. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm going to look at it from a different angle here because I, I just want to remind all the Hammerites out there that Butcher and the Blade were in the main event scenario on AEW Dynamite, which really doesn't make no sense to me, number one. N number two, I thought they should have called this, Jeff, the Forbidden Door Flaming Tables match. That way it would have got more uh, steam out of you, and you'd be like, this made a whole lot of sense here. But you know what it is? You want to bring the Japan, they want to bring that Japan feel with the exploding matches. And mm -hmm. this is Terry, this is Terry Funk territory. This is Cactus Jack territory. This is all, you know, FMW uh, legends and icons there. This yep. is not Kenny Omega's territory. This, you know, it's just like Jeff said, this is a John Moxley thing. You bring the barbed wire matches, it's John Moxley's, uh, it's the logic of John Moxley to bring that kind of contract to Kenny Omega and so that should have been done last week when John Moxley got the upper hand on Kenny Omega not this week when you know Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers got the upper hand on John Moxley so you know you damn if you do damn if you don't but Tony Khan the money mark that he is just is you know 
He's a mark for the moment. You know, you know, 743,000 people can't go wrong because they loved it. This is true. This is true. I My only criticism of it, and it's not really a, a harsh criticism, is I don't think I've ever seen in wrestling, and I've I've grown up watching, you know, WWE. I was there for all of ECW. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a man, a professional wrestler, challenge another wrestler to a an exploding barbed wire death match on national television while wearing a white linen tunic. This guy, his fashion sense is impeccable. The fact that he can come out and just be, you know, as an OG, a couple weeks ago, he had this like crazy, what was it, green flower shirt on and everybody was getting on him about that. And Purple, purple. Oh, thank you. That's right. And now everybody, uh, listen, there's not enough people raving about this uh, linen shirt. You know, this guy has uh, has swag. I like, that's what I like about Kenny Omega. It and was, that's, it was very, uh, very hippie, peasant topish. <laughs> the stylistics of Kenny Omega, especially on AEW Dynamite, the character that, that he's portraying, I have no problem with. I yeah. like him being the prick. I like him being snobbish. Mm-hmm. I like him, you know, having all, you know, the money. And Don Callis is a great, you know, bounce off with him. The chemistry is great. No problem with that. It's just like Jeff said, the logic of him challenging him to a type of match that is John Moxley's forte just is kind of stupid. Do you think that there's this is the last question I'll ask about this and we'll move on. Chabelle, do you think that there's an outside chance that John Moxley uh being the the chicken shit uh champion that he is and a uh, horrible wrestler that he is that he uses Renee as an out for this match because he's going to be so scared of Kenny Omega and his swag and his energy. And he knows he, he let's, let's be real. He can't be Kenny Omega cause he's a, he's a bum. Uh, so do you think that Omega, that Moxley will use Renee and be like, Oh, all oh, the baby's coming early. I, I got to leave this match. You know, that's a great way to book it. I, I would do it. I, I would love to do it. <laughs> I even would have him call Dean Ambrose to have him sub for him because <laughs> John Moxley is such a chicken shit. That's the way I would do it. I know he's horrible. He uh, people steal his belt and then he doesn't go after them. I mean, why? Why? Why people well, think he's so well, brave? I don't know. Well, I I will say this, Steve and Jeff. If you know you want to retort here, but at least this is the first time in AEW history that we get a rematch that someone who lost their title actually gets a rematch. You know, in in a, in a kind of weird way. And no, like Cody and Brody, it was not the same way because it was kind of weird. But this is like John Moxley lost his title. And they have a feud for him to get the rematch back. We have FTR, one of the tag teams I like, hasn't even got a rematch for, a t- for when they lost their tag titles. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They don't do this a lot. Agreed. And I, we've we've I've brought this point up before because again, if if John Moxley cares about this title so much, right? You had Brody Lee steal the thing, and the guy's all like, "Am I gonna chase after him? No, nah, I'm just gonna get him at the pay per view." What? That makes no sense. That's mm-hmm. not something Stone Cold would do. He's supposed to be this new 2020 version of Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Stone Cold would have never done that. He would have went and got his belt. He yeah. he, the, Stone Cold did get his belt stolen from him. He got it stolen from The Rock, and The Rock showed up, and he, and he, uh, he met him at a bridge, and they beat the shit out of him. Granted, uh, Austin ended up uh, in the lake, but, you know, he went after him. He, want, he went and after then, his broken skull belt, and he wanted it back. 
That's right. And then this this last time when he lost the belt, the guy's missing for five weeks. I, I made a joke on this podcast saying that the guy's hiding in Nicaragua because he can't fucking man up to John, to Omega, which is the truth. Let's be real. Like he he's got listen. We know he's going to lose, and then he's going to be missing for six months, and he's going to claim that he's uh, you know helping uh, take care of the baby and changing diapers. He, he's so, that's a spoiler, everybody. That, that's what it is. He's storing the breast milk of Renee's. He's making sure it's all you know good oh, in the well, fridge. Well, listen, come on. I can't blame him there. That's one thing I agree with Moxley doing. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Sting. Everybody's talking about Sting and this bump and this picture. Um, in uh, Finally, after Jeff's... Uh, uh, a plethora of fire Taz rants. It sounds like a, someone at AEW is listening. Uh, Team Taz looks tough and they finally (laughs) and they finally beat up this 60 year old legend in Sting. We had Brian Cage powerbomb this buffoon in the middle of the ring and he looked lifeless at the end. He looked like he was second guessing his decisions. Jeff I'm going to start with you since you're very passionate about Team Taz. What did you think about this segment? Okay. We're going to start with the, the theme of omissions. So omission number one here, nobody is mentioning or questioning the whereabouts or the health or well-being of Darby Allen, who was dragged in a body bag by an SUV for an unknown period of time. He's not in a hospital. There's not a police report. There, he's not at a local medical facility. He's not fine. He's it's, he's a miracle man. He didn't he didn't manage to get himself out. He's not like Houdini and got himself out a hundred yards in, and then only took some minor bumps and bruises. Nothing. It's like Marco Stunt when he was kicked, kidnapped by FTR. No mention. He just got. He's just. He's fine. He's he's all right. I mean, at least in NXT when you had Dexter Loomis abduct. Austin Theory, they made a story of it, and then you saw the white van pull up, and then you see uh, Austin Theory come out, and he's zip tied, and and you know he's in his his drawers, and it, and it's silly comedy and whatever, but at least you know he's okay. He was kidnapped, he was, and he's released. You, you, you saw the catch and release go here. So no mention of Darby, ridiculous, ridiculous. It was bad when it was with Marco. It's worse when it happens three weeks later in a more important story. So. Let's go to Team Taz, and I will promise you this is obviously going to lead up to Sting. But the first thing we hear about them is that they were fined again for what they did last week. So good job, Taz, costing your team money. You got Cage, Hook, and Taz coming up because Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs can't get there because of the weather from the south. They're in Orlando or Jacksonville from the south. Does he mean like the North, like they're in Tennessee or South Carolina, Georgia, like what we could, what we consider, what we usually consider the South? Well, no, South of Jacksonville, the weather ain't so bad South of Jacksonville. So I don't know what they're talking about. So two more omissions there. You're missing two members of Team Taz. So this is the time I've been hearing on social media all week long how Sting's going to call us out. What do you mean you've been hearing on social media? They advertised it last week that next week Sting's calling out Team Taz. About what? I don't know. There's already a street fight. How dumb is this? What's he going to say? I really want the street fight that's already booked, and I'm going to beat you guys up. Um, So anyway, so the snow apparently kept two guys away because they were in the south. Whatever. That's, you know, enough. That's, you know, that's just comedy. If I can can just get in here. No. Couldn't they... (laughs) 
Couldn't they just claim that they were watching Darby? Like, couldn't these two missing guys just be like, listen, they're taking care of Darby? Yes, yes, they could. But known. why would they let him go next week? I mean, but yes, they could, and they could have. <laughs> they could have filmed a, an, an escape scene where Darby tricks them, overpowers them, or whatever, and gets out. Yes, they absolutely could have done that. And you know what? You just thought of it, and actually, that's not bad. So I forgive the interruption during my rant. So he's like, "Come on out, Sting. Sting, where are you going to come?" So the music comes out. Snow wasn't Snow the problem in the first place. I mean, Snow kept his team at bay for for weeks now. So he's asking for snow. So Sting comes to the ring and has like, you made the biggest mistake of your life by coming to this room because I'm going to talk, 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 talk. I mean, they keep on talking. Oh, big man with the bat. You're going to need the bat. You need the bat together. You need the bat. So Sting, you know, the young rookie with like 42 years of experience in this business falls for the Bugs Bunny reverse psychology, throws the bat away, takes the time to take off his, his, uh, what do they call those things? Crunch coat. Yeah, a trench coat. I was going to go with duster, whatever it is. He's taking off his big overcoat um, because, you know, he definitely can't fight with that. I mean, it's three to one. I believe he had a bit of experience with a baseball bat and the NWO. And I don't remember him ever throwing away the, the bat just because he was taunted when, when he was, you know, in his late 30s. Uh, but anyway, so there's a lot of talking. Talk, talk, talk. He tosses the bat away. As soon as he tosses the bat away, he clocks Cage. What does Taz bravely do? He runs out of the ring. Immediately out of the ring. He makes a beeline for the exit. Hashtag fire Taz. Sucks. So so Hook, his useless son, obviously we should start hashtag fire Hook too because Hook goes for the bat. Hey, that's smart. That's good. Does he hit Sting with the bat? Does he start clobbering him? No, he goes for a chokehold with the bat, for God's sake. Anyway. He he's pretty inept, and he takes a whooping for it too. But it, it gives Brian Cage a chance to kick Sting in the gut and land a, a, a nice power bomb. And yeah, everyone saw much Sting took the bump. Okay, took the bump. You want me to talk about that? No, you. He took the bump. He took it great. I mean, Brian Cage laid it in there. He took it like a champ. I don't care about all that. What I would talk about is the fact that instead of continuing to beat him down when it's three on one, when they've got a street fight next week and whereabouts unknown of the other guy, and they could be beating, laying those smackdown, beat, 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 beat. They pose and leave. Taz, you suck. Hashtag fire Taz for the love of God. It is embarrassing. Oh my God. I actually thought that you would be in Taz's corner this week because they finally actually look like they won up this guy. The 60-year-old like, guy. Okay. This is like you go to Steve, Foga de Chao is, Steve, and you get all you can double eat. Z. That's what it is. Yeah. This, this <laughs> ain't the Taz with one Z. This is double Z Taz. Right. I know. This is, I know. This is double B as in bad, bad. No. <laughs> this is like you go to Fogo de Chao and you get the all you can eat. And you go to the salad bar and you eat all the delicious stuff on the salad bar. And then they come around with the meat, which you pay $59.99 for. And you're like, I'm full. That's Taz. He did a little bit good, but he but he fucked every he fucked the big stuff up. Chabella, what are your thoughts on on Sting and getting in this match and uh, actually fighting for AEW? I go to Fogo de Chao for the mozzarella. You know, I want to go with the omission part that like Jeff is talking about. I want to go twenty five years of an of an omission with Sting. Sting with the bat, he never dropped it. What he always would do is turn his back on his opponents and dare them to attack him from behind, but he would hold on to the bat. Why, after 25 years of doing that, 
in the ring against the NWO, against anybody in TNA and Jeff Jarrett and all that stuff, he would finally go to AEW, I guess because he's 62 and now he's senile, he drops the back and wants to fight. <laughs> it doesn't make sense unless it's Alzheimer's. And as far as Taz with the double Z, the, which I will call it, you know, Steve, I, I, I'm going to say this. You're right. This was a better week for Taz. But we cannot forget the weeks and weeks of the bitching, the moaning, and Taz turning into a millennial in front of our very eyes. Oh, the man who is FTW in 1997, who would get in your face and beat the shit out of you, is now yep. complaining about corporate America. He wouldn't care about corporate America in the 90s. He now cares about it. It's a, it's a weird dichotomy that we're seeing here with Taz. That's the problem with Taz with the double Z here, Steve. Chabelle, do you think that people like that? Do you think people are familiar with the Taz that was in ECW that he was such a badass? Like Paul Heyman booked him for being such a small guy and he wasn't in the perfect shape, right? But I know when I watched him growing up, like I bought that this guy w- could could kick everybody's ass. And yeah, when he gets to WWE, it's a different story. He's booked differently. And especially now, like, I mean, he's booked like a clown. Like a, he, look, he looks like a, a light version of Bo- uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. How dare you? Look, you, you know, the, <laughs> you, you know, see, the, the problem here is I can't even answer that question because I don't know the, uh, the audience breakdown for AEW. Supposedly, everybody's supposed to know what Taz brings to the table. This is the way I'm looking at it. You're supposed to know the history of Taz. You're supposed to know the history of Taz and ECW. You're supposed to know the history of Taz and even WWE and what he did as a commentator, all this stuff. So the problem is how much of the audience of the AEW Dynamite people know what Taz brings to the table? That's the problem that, that I see here. I, don't, I, I look at Taz and I'm disappointed every week. That's mm-hmm. where I come mm-hmm. from because you and me, have you know grown up with with Taz? We've grown mm-hmm. up with what he did as a, as a shoot fighter, an ass kicker, and all that stuff. But now it depends on what the audience he, here sees. They see a sixty year old Taz here with the double Z complaining about where his, his uh, team Taz is and powerhouse Ice Train Hobbs and uh, Brian Cage and all that stuff. And again, those people really well. Besides Powerhouse, he's green, and I give him a pass. But Brian Cage has been uh, drizzling shits. Ricky Starks mm-hmm. has taken advantage of being associated with the legend of Taz. And, of course, Hook is Hook because he's, he's learning as he goes. But, you know, I can't, I can't really answer that because I don't know the, the audience breakdown of, of people yeah. watching AEW Dynamite. They have an entire roster. They could do an entire show on wrestlers' kids that are now sort of wrestlers. And I'm not even talking about the Rhodes boys. I'm talking about like yeah, the yeah. two gun kids. I'm talking about Brian Pillman. I'm talking uh-huh. about Hook. Uh, we have Brock Anderson now. I mean, there's a whole host of them. Um, I'm sorry. You, you're the play-by-play man. Take, take, no, get us back down on, on the path. Copy. Let's move on to this AEW Women's Tournament. I know that uh, that is another contentious topic around here. Um. 
I'm not too familiar with the Japanese side, except I, I know there was a big uh, hullabaloo about this Maki Ito last week, and then she ends up uh, eating a pin in the first round. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't watch any of it, to be quite honest with you, but I know you did, Jeff. Chabella, did you get a chance to watch it? No, once I heard the news of, of everybody's favorite losing in the first round, then I got disinterested. I don't need to watch it. Yeah, that's what right. About dummies. Dummies, and yeah. Then, and then um, this week we had Serena Deeb versus uh, Riho. Yeah. Everybody says was a uh, phenomenal match. I still don't think it was as good as Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. It was. But... People are pretending it was a phenomenal match. It wasn't a bad match, though. But I mean, Rio is just or Riho is just really, really small, and it it's. I know that this is all suspension of disbelief, and I know especially in for certain audiences that's that's a bigger deal. And I try to look past it. Um, so I will say that this was not a bad match. It, it was sort of well orchestrated, but she is not very impactful. So, but you asked about the women's tournament. So I did watch AW's YouTube um, channel this past Monday night from seven to about eight oh three. They had four matches. These were terrible. I, anyone who's telling you different is lying to you. This, this was, I, I mean, I know everybody thinks I'm Jim Cornette. I am not Jim Cornette. I don't listen to Jim Cornette. Uh, I, I, of course, followed him when I was a kid. He, with the tennis racket, I, I followed his career. I'm not pretending I don't know who he is. I'm not pretending I don't read the same posts and quotes that you all read, but I don't watch his clips on YouTube. I, I don't like Jim Cornette. I don't dislike Jim Cornette. He just is what he is. But when he called this cosplay play wrestling, this was cosplay wrestling. Nothing was impactful. It's all comedy. It's all shtick. It was in the saddest studio I've ever seen. It really looked just like an oversized, like, U-store facility. Um, and it was just sorry. But, but yeah, I mean, I can tell you that Emmy Sakura won, the one who did the, the, the Freddie Mercury gimmick. She was doing a different gimmick now. I, I didn't recognize it, but it took me weeks to realize that she was doing a queen gimmick. Um, uh, the Aja Kong one, there was another woman who looked like a smaller version and younger version of Aja Kong who beat uh, Maki Ito. And she's, you know, she was basically supposed to be a powerhouse. Um, I don't know. The Japanese women's wrestling is just weird, but as of last time I checked, which was on, which was today, it was earlier this afternoon. Uh, we're recording Thursday night, the February eighteenth. Two hundred fifty-seven thousand people had watched it on YouTube, which you know is is a fair amount of people. Now, the 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 other thing of note is that AW cares so much about this tournament that the next four matches will also be on its YouTube channel this coming Monday night at seven including the Japanese-based side uh, semifinals and to U.S. side-based matches as well, including matches with Ty Conte and Anna Jay. I believe uh, Nyla Rose is in one of those matches, and for the life of me, I can't remember who the other participant is. Um, I think Britt Baker. Rosa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Britt Brit Baker. So that's going to be on YouTube. I will. I plan on watching it uh, again. Uh, so, you know, fool me once, I guess, and then fool me twice. Um, but, you know, again, this is the, the women's stuff on the YouTube channel, not even on Dark, uh, not, you know, not on Dynamite. Um, but they did show, show us the highlights on Dynamite. And I don't know how anyone could come up 
you know, come away from that segment without seeing that it looked rinky-dink and circus-like and comedy-like. So anyway, we had Deeb and Rio. Serena Deeb is so much better than Rio. She's she's a technician in the ring, and she helped make Rio look better. Rio is fine. She she's fast. She's fluid. But again, I you know I can't get past what I can't get past. I, I can understand why people like the match, but to call it great is hyperbole. I just want to mention that it was 16 minutes, which I think was six minutes too long uh, for this match, mm-hmm. and that Tony Schiavone referred to them on national TV as girls um in 2021 not women girls elaborate on that jeff for i guess uh maybe some listeners that might not understand why that distinction is uh not 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 right i'm not sure when is exactly when you have to stop calling women girls or girls start calling them young women uh but i know that it's and, you know, by the time they're 18, they're at least young women, if not women. You know, before the age of majority, uh, girls is probably okay. But girls is more like of a, you know, probably like a middle school, you know, early high school or probably by like junior year, you should call someone a young woman or whatever. But I know this when they're professionals <laughs> and they're wrestlers and Serena Deeb, who's probably, you know, late 30s and, um, you know, Rio's probably in her 20s. But whatever is when you're a, an adult professional and both one is a champion and one's a former champion in your promotion that, you know, call them women. I mean, it's 2021 We're we're supposed to be better than that. I will note also that the NWA world's women's champion lost again on national TV to a nobody, so to, to, to somebody that almost nobody has any interest in. So what you're saying is somebody, Serena Deeb should have walked out of the ring and slapped Shivani's face. Well, they both should have, but Serena Deeb should have won this match. She's 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 the better wrestler. She's better with the style of the other better wrestlers. Riho is a throwback to the days of AEW having no competent women's wrestlers or very few, and that callback to that day was seven months ago. Uh, It wasn't you know it's not exactly ancient history, Uh, but her last match in AEW was forty eight weeks ago, minus yesterday. Um, they made point of that, and, and I'm just saying I think the wrong person won. I understand why they like Riho. Um, I, you know, I think it has to do with Kenny Omega. I think it has to do with stardom. I think it has to do with you know, you know, giving Bushirod people um, paychecks. Uh, I don't know. Riho apparently relocated to the U.S. to help Sheeta feel more comfortable. Maybe that that's a pretty good reason, but she doesn't. You know, I don't. I just think the wrong person won. You can keep someone in payroll and not have them, you know, probably go to the finals of this tournament. Exactly. To your point, I think it, it was a mistake to have your NWA Women's Champion take an L here to Riho. I mean, granted, she was a former uh, AEW champion, but what has she done lately? She hasn't done anything. She hasn't even been on TV for for that matter. So, Chabelo, any thoughts on this uh, tournament? Well, number one, I think Tony Schiavone she called. Shouldn't call them girls. She should, he should call them chicks. So this way, that way, we get that <laughs> clearest distinction out of the way, and that's more respectable. Number one. Number two, I think we got to look at Serena Deeb's role in AEW because I, I see it in a different light here. The NWA title shields her to lose, and what I mean is that since we already know, you know. Billy Corgan's NWA is down to like four people and Serena Deems one of them. And I'm not trying to be funny here, 
that that prop of the, of the belt will will shield her from any losses. So in this tournament style, losing you know to Rio, Rio beats a defending, reigning, undisputed NWA Women's Champion. So it brings up the street cred of Rio. Now to Jeff's point, yeah, I was in the in the same boat. I don't like uh, Rio. I never believed in Rio. She's very, she, you know, a small girl. I didn't like. I didn't even like the match that she had with Nyla Rose back then in the, in one of the pay per views where she won the uh, the AEW Women's Championship. So I, I never believed her from the beginning. And this shows the disorganization and dysfunction of the AEW Women's Division because. You know, they really wanted to put all their eggs in one basket by showing like the, the I don't want to call it star power, but sh- but you have to say on the Japanese side, oh, we got all these girls. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I said girls. I'm sorry. All these chicks. Oh, hold on one second here. here. On behalf of Hammerlock Hangover, the views of Chabella Vera Cruz and all of his titles, the PW Hustle, and all of its substations and affiliates does not represent the views of Hammerlock Hangover necessarily. Thank you. Please continue. No problem. So they put all their eggs in one basket with all these chicks on the J- Japanese side. So, you know, that's the dysfunction of the AEW women's division. There's... Mm-hmm. There's no credibility. Like, all the credibility actually belongs with Serena Deeb and the NWA title because the NWA title is actually treated with more respect, more prestige, more mm. legacy than, than Hikari Shida and the AEW Women's title. They haven't, put, they haven't put it up. You have a lot of untapped potential girl, oh, sorry, chicks in the AEW <laughs> Women's locker room what is happening that needs, here? <laughs> that needs direction, that needs focus, but they didn't. They wasted a tournament and put the Japanese on one side, and you didn't put. Where's uh, where's Ivelisse? Where's Abaddon? Where's you know even Velvet Rose? Where's uh, what's her name? You just yeah. you just conflated Red Velvet and Nyla Rose into one person. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, there's many other women in the yeah. AEW locker room that needs the, the rub right there. And Word. And I, I, think, I think the one you're thinking about is Jade Cargill. Where's Jade Cargill in this uh, uh, tournament? And I'll give her a pass be... because she needs to be, you know, she's training with Shaq. I'm, I'm thinking of the other one, Swole. Oh, that's what it is. It's Swole. She needs to be in the tournament. She's not in the mm-hmm. tournament. This is yeah. ridiculous. All the wrong women are in, in this tournament. It's just ri- ridiculous. Uh, Jeff and I uh, uh, think that Jade should be booked as strong as Goldberg because she's just got that look. Like just And let's be real. She's not going to be able to wrestle all that well off the jump. Hide all her uh, you know um, opportunities, I guess, for lack of a better term. Hide her inexperience and, and take advantage thank you, of her experience. Experience. And just book her like Goldberg. Just have her go in there. She's the biggest looking uh, wrestler in that entire women's division. Why not book her like Goldberg? Just go in, spear, one, two, three. Call it a day. See you later. Streak, 250. Why not? Just copy the whole thing. Well, what what they've seen on uh, WWE television and seeing Bianca Belair being the strongest, fastest, and all that stuff. And you, you saw that little promo with her training with Shaq and she just had to hit the swish in the basketball court. They're just trying to show the same. I'm not saying they're trying to copy uh, Bianca Belair, but they just wanted to show that she's athletic. She, you know, she's a well-rounded and all that stuff. And she's, she's on another level. 
Yep. Well, while we're talking about that training video, can we talk about that training video? Because this is another omission. What was omitted from this was training for wrestling or even weight training. All it was 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 basically doing basketball drills. This was terrible. This was stupid. It had nothing to do with anything. It was not a training video. It wasn't entertaining. The only thing that was funny about it is that Shaq hit a free throw. The rest of it was <laughs> completely nothing. So the omission here was of any training related to wrestling whatsoever. I know there was a lot of criticism about that today about this it was segment. terrible. No, I don't think so. I mean, we saw we were introduced to Mr. Perfect with these same vignettes. Like, I have no problem with it. Uh, he wasn't that was his character. He wasn't training for a wrestling match for that. She was But he was saying training. that he's super athletic. So like that's the that's just like Chabella was saying, you know, that's what they're trying to get over. I I no, didn't mind no, that much. But no. No. And it's different than the Bianca thing too because her whole thing is how she is super athletic. This was supposed to be a training video that they're training for a match, her first match and Shaq's first match, I think. I don't even think he had the match with the big show. Uh, anyway, I thought it was stupid. You don't. It's not that important to talk about. I'll just say that the omission was anything related to wrestling. I'm right. Clearly, you're wrong. And I'm sure the professor <laughs> agrees with me. Well, you know, I can understand both sides. So I'm going to be neutral here and understand that Jade is trying to do a Mr. Perfect-esque by hitting the shots. Mm -hmm. She's trying to be Mr. Perfect. And I can understand the training omission logic that you're saying, Jeff. But, you know, I'm not against, I'm not against her shooting a basketball shot and, and making great shots and, and, you know, basketball being part of it, there just should have been some, they should have done some weight training, some, some aerobics, some swimming, and then some combat training, like she's doing jujitsu or something or hitting a heavy bag training, you know, some, something that you're training for a fight, not that you showed up at the YMCA one afternoon and, you know, and you're, you're practicing your free throw because you got intramurals the next day. That's all I'm saying. But she, she did have that slow motion walk, that Victoria's Secret slow motion walk. That's training. That's real training, That's right. right there. Oh my God! I, listen, for the cameraman, it was it was training for me. Whew. Listen, <laughs> let's edit that out. We don't want to. We, we don't want to know about your training. We don't want to know about your workout That's routine. Training regimen. Yeah. Uh, listen, can we all agree though that the fact that Shaq actually nailed a, a free shot, uh, a free throw, was uh, pretty impressive last night? It, no? was, it, it, it took a couple of takes. I already know this much. <laughs> it was work. That was a work. The last thing I want to talk about AEW, and this is going to be real quick, is a lot of people are talking about this this morning, and I, I think it goes back to the conversation that Jeff and I had several weeks ago about, um, oh, what's this kid's name? Oh my god, um, evil, evil no, Evil Junior. What's his name? Negative one. Negative one. Negative one. Thank you, Evil Junior. Um, <laughs> and. The time, like his birthday party, right? Oh, you know, this is time that could have been used elsewhere, right? To put over somebody else instead of Serpentico and Luther. So we have this Brandy and Cody gender reveal. And granted, it was a, a five-minute segment. But there's a lot of people criticizing it this morning saying, oh, listen, this is uh, Cody being Triple H. It's all about him. And Brandy, this doesn't have no place in a wrestling show. So I wanted to get your thoughts. Let's start with you, Chabello, on what did you think about this gender reveal? Uh, does it belong on, on the primetime show? No, it belongs on YouTube. It belongs on her channel. It belongs on the Nightmare uh, Family channel. 
that's a private, well, I'm not going to say it's a private moment, but it's a moment that can be celebrated on YouTube for 200,000 viewers on that. I, I think Agreed. it's a waste of space. It's a attempted grandstanding by the, uh, by the Rhodes family. I, I mean, God bless her, you know, having a healthy baby bringing into this world. She looks great. Pandemic. Yeah, she looks great. But it, it, there's no place. You, you know, again, precious television time is wasted on that when you can have something of value to build up for AEW Revolution. That's the way I look at it. Jeff? I, I basically agree with that. I mean, this, this, I mean, it's pretentious. It's opulent. It's... It's narcissistic. It's typical Cody. He's got to be on every show about anything. At the same time, you know, AEW sort of is everybody's in on the inside jokes. And this is one of those. It's not a joke, but they're, you know, everyone's part of the family. Uh, so this is sneaking. I, it was, I mean, it was short enough. I, I have other things more important to rant about on this show than, than that. That didn't bother me so much. And I haven't said anything really good about the show yet. There were some good things about it. But, I, you know, the thing with negative one that, that you were mentioning, because a lot of people at the time were, you know, there were people that were sort of saying what we were or on the border of it, you know, saying keep it on BTE, put it on Dark, not on Dynamite, or, hey, the kid just lost his father. They're trying to make him feel good. He's having a good time. But if they if this is a recurring thing, you know, then it's going too far. Well, now it's a recurring thing. Can I run quickly through some other things that I thought were dopey here, and then we can move on off of AEW? Real quick. Yeah, well, I can't promise you that. All right, so Marvez is interviewing the Inner Circle, and you have the whole thing where they're trying to explain why uh, Sammy Guevara and MJF, you know, are both at fault, and Jericho is planning the whole thing to to see how, you know, to make them stronger, to have them forged in steel. But, you know, they're both at fault. But Sammy Guevara is more at fault, and he quit the inner circle. That means he's dead to him. But MJF is still at fault, but we forgive him. That 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 was dumb. Um, then we have another act of omission, Orange Cassidy against Dr. Luther. I will say this, that if Dr. Luther is going to be on Dynamite, it should be a squash match, but that's all this was for no reason. So the omission here was... This was an opportunity to have Kip Sabian in the Serpentico outfit where nobody would know because they both saw a slide of build and Miro attacking to further that story. But that wasn't done. It was just a squash match to make Orange Cassidy look good. Uh, and he's really an act that really works for crowds. So it was sort of a, a waste. So again, the omission there. Did you know that Miro was in the top five uh, ranking for singles men's? I had no idea. He wins I a didn't lot even know he was single. He is. <laughs> He's killing it on dark, Jeff. You're missing it. Mm. He apparently, and but the way he's booked, like fucking around with these idiots, I don't, I don't see how this guy translates into being even against Darby. I don't, really don't see how they're sneaking him in right now. It's well, awful. Steve, you have to ask yourself: How did Santana Ortiz get a? shot at Young Bucks for the tag team titles when they were not even on AEW television, too. So, oh my God, there's Scooby-Doo them into it. Chabello, let me, can I ask you a question? Because you're a person of color. You are a fellow Latino. You're, mm -hmm. I would imagine that you are. Are you familiar with LAX? Yes, I am. Okay. So they're not this bullshit fucking tag team, like, you know, that they put together uh, to be on AEW. These guys... Our professionals have been uh, 
in the independent scene in impact uh they they're long tenured and these guys are probably one of the top five tag teams in the world before they got to ww to, sorry to, I, I jim rossed it before they got to aew and now what are they they're fucking trash they are come they are booked like fucking bozos on this goddamn aew show so explain Steve, to people hate Steve. People hate me on the PWS Facebook fan page when I said they should join uh, Death Row NXT. They hate the professor because I said that a that uh, LAX has had a shit run in AEW since the inception, since they've lost the Young Bucks back in 2019. Oh, but they're in the inner circle, so that's that should shield it. No, they've sucked. They're villain. They're level one villains on on arcade games. That's how bad they are. They're not taken seriously. They're goofballs. I, I don't see. I mean, Steve, I see the shit run. Do you see it? I, I see a shit run. That's the way I, I look I, at it. I completely see it, but I see it not only with them, but it's across all of the people of color of AEW. I've been critical of them for at least the at least the last six to eight months, and it's it's still an issue. I, I, people keep criticizing me saying, Steve, give it time, give it time, give it time. How much fucking time? How much time? I was told Scorpio sky was going to be the next fucking guy. I was told LAX is going to get their shot. I was told the Lucha bros were going to get their shot. I'm still fucking waiting. If I was holding my breath, I'd be fucking dead and not of COVID. I'd be waiting a fucking, uh, uh, dehydration and, and, and starvation because AEW ain't giving me what I'm supposed to get. You see Steve, this is why I say there's a lack of consistency in people's critiquing because in WWE, we talk about coon references with, you know, certain people in, in WWE like Apollo Crews or Kofi Kingston and the New Day and all that stuff. But yet, some of those people have been champions. Some of those people are on TV. I'm not saying they've been booked properly. I'm just saying they're a little bit more uh, profile than what we see on AEW side. We just, if you know the names for the AEW people, that's I guess that's enough for you because like you said, Steve, take you know, they 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 keep using that excuse. Well, it's a young company, it's a young company. Well, this company was built off of you know having some change. They, it was built, it was created so this way you wouldn't make the same mistakes that WWE has made mm-hmm. in booking and all that stuff and giving people that the opportunity. They're not giving Scorpio Sky the opportunity. You're right, he's been lost in the sauce. They're not giving Lucha Bros the opportunity. Well, I'll give him a little bit of half a pass because the Death Triangle was kind of messed up because of the pandemic. So I'm going to give it a little pass, Steve. But LAX, again, they'll, they'll use the excuse that they're in the inner circle. They're in the Chris Jericho limelight there. But where were they? They haven't, before the tag team title match, their last kind of physical stuff was in the, the Hardy compound. That's all I can remember. After that, but they haven't the done really The street fight that they lost to uh, Best Friends. Thank you. By the way, but losing it was a great match. It was a great match, but they should have lost to the minivan mafia. Where's the minivan mafia right now? They're fucking gone. They are off TV. Granted, LAX doesn't lose street fights. Proud and powerful loses street fights. Thank you, thank you, Jeff. See, like that's what I'm saying. Is when when is it okay for me to be upset about this? Like. Again, AW does a horrible job booking diverse talent, plain and simple. Like, let's fucking call a spade a spade. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
the opinions of Steve do not reflect the PW Hustle and the professor. Yeah. Well, nicely done. Nicely done, professor. Come on. No <laughs> lies detected, right? Like, this is ridiculous. It's, it's, it's getting to here's a point some, where it's... Wait, wait. wait, Steve. Here's something simple that... All right. This is the way I looked at it yesterday. And if you want to... If you think that, that I'm... I'm nitpicking here, so be it. But they had a chance in in the match against the Young Bucks of two ways to book it. They could have won the tag team titles and created friction within the inner circle. That's this was what was talked about, right? Yep, number that one. was the rumor. Or number number two, they could have lo- they they would have lost it, which they did. But I would have had MJF cost the the LAX or Proud and Powerful the match where they could have Sammy Guevara. Or Sammy Guevara to create more turmoil, but they lost and they look like dumbasses in the match, and it mm-hmm. made no damn sense. So you're right; they, they don't know what they're booking with the with people of color. It's it's ridiculous, and and I, when is enough enough? Like I get you know it's it's just nonsense to me. Like don't come at me and saying give them time. I've had enough fucking time. I've given them enough time to fucking give me th- give me powerhouse Hobbs. Where's he? Fucking nowhere. Where's fucking uh, Scorpio? Nowhere. LAX? Nowhere. Pentagon? Pentagon was fucking feared by so many people. This guy was top five in world's best wrestlers. And the man is a loser now. He is, you know how he puts up his fingers and says, cero miedo? Now it's just zero W. Zero wins. That's what it is. Well, guys, I thank you because you have covered one of my rants for me. So this was this is time well spent, and I agree with everything you said. Even though I obviously represent people that are completely absent of any color whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say one rare. The, yes. The one thing I thought that was good about the show, I actually thought that the Omega in the preschool uh, thing was was campy, corny, funny wrestling comedy. I thought the timing of it was good. How the kids go. Are they in love? And he's like, hmm. Well, they certainly look like they're in love. Well, their brothers and families love each other. And then he's reading, and Kenny Omega, after Kenny Omega left Japan, business went down. Don Kass like, whoa, whoa, okay, I think we've read enough. And then they're like, <laughs> Kenny, Kenny, A-E-Dub, N-E-Dub, let's play with him. No, 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 he's got to go. Here, play with, with Nakazawa. We hate Nakazawa. <laughs> we, oh. So... so so this this was all good, and Nakazawa was being beaten up by kids, which which is funny. The only thing I want to add to your stuff about proud and powerful really has nothing to do with them. Has little to do with the inner circle, but it has to do with the young Bucks parents were at ringside celebrating their 40th anniversary. So you knew that they weren't going to lose the second that happened. Um, should we talk at all about Sammy Guevara and the story, which is probably overblown, but that he has some heat with Tony Khan because uh, he didn't like the the. Impact storylines. He didn't want to work with Impact. I, I presume the only thing that makes sense is that he was supposed to lose in Impact to sort of even up the the, the power balance a little bit, and he didn't want to do that. Do that because he's going to have to fight the Inner Circle, and which is a strong faction. And he thought that would make him look weak. I'm, I'm speculating here, but I'm not even sure if this story is true. I'm not sure if it was overblown. Oh no! But- oh no! I I believe it. Let's if if, if I'm going to continue my rant of, of LAX, I'm going to continue it right here. Oh, what's that? AW booking a guy with the last name Guevara to lose? Oh no, that's not. That's got to be overblown, right? Right? That can't be true. 
I, I, please go on. I like when you rant. No, ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, now I'm fired up. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I hope, I hope Sammy does stand up for himself. I'm glad that I heard that he stand up for himself, and I support him entirely. If he, he's being booked to look like a fucking chump, yeah, they, these guys should start manning up to Tony Khan and be like, you know what, fuck you, I'll kick your ass and 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 walk away. Get out of here. No, this guy would. I'll Sorry, this let guy me, will me, easily get sna- snatched up by by NXT and WWE with with no issue. Now, I, I'll say this: whether it's a, it's a work or whatever, it, it's really neither here nor there, in, in my opinion. But it did spark a conversation, and I said, you know, maybe I was trolling a little bit, but you know, I just said, "Hooray for Sammy to you know vent out his frustrations, creative differences." But you know what? Again, I like it. I like people to be consistent. You know, if this was w, if this was Sammy G in WWE, we'd be praising him. Wow, Vince McMahon is out of touch. Vince McMahon doesn't know what he's doing with this diamond in the rough and Sammy G. But yet, I say, hooray for Sammy to do this and, and think of Impact Wrestling as a step down. When I said that, people, what are you talking about? Impact's on the rise. Impact and the Forbidden Door and all this stuff. Is like, Wait a minute. <laughs> This is literally a step down. I, I'm trying not to. I'm trying. I'm being real here. This is being objective. In Sammy's young, maybe young and dumb logic, but I have to go with what he's do, looking at. Why should I go on Access TV where I'm losing at least 80% of the viewing audience to go on Tuesday nights to do an angle that no one's going to see? Um, that's business. That's branding. What's wrong with that kind of logic? But no, no, Professor, you're wrong. You don't want to understand what you're talking about. New Japan, AEW, Impact, all together, this forbidden door. This is great. This is great for wrestling. If Sammy G doesn't doesn't see it the same way, why why should I blame him? If he, well, he I'm going to be consistent. Life. I'm going to be consistent with myself. And and if this is true, and and if Tony Khan was really that upset about it, I'm going to be consistent. Sammy, you're 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 taking the checks. Do what they tell you to do. When you come back to AEW, no one's going to care what you did in, in Impact. Nobody watches it. You do the job. That That's what you're paid to do. It, it, it doesn't matter what happens in Impact. Um, I, I'll, I'll disagree with that, Jeff, because the guy's got he's, – he's rising upward, right? And if this yeah. guy – you're telling me that he – it depends on who he's jobbing to. If he puts on a banger of a match with, let's say, a Chris Bay or um, who's their, their Impact champion? Um, Rich Swan. Rich Swan, thank you. If Rich Swan and Sammy Guevara have a 20-minute Broadway and everybody it's fucking raving, the internet's fucking a, a, a buzz about it, or even with Chris Bay and Sammy loses, then fine. Sammy still gets over. But if you're telling me that they're gonna send Sammy over there to go take an L to to who? To, to Tommy uh, Dreamer Alex or Shepard. Rhino? <laughs> Alex Shelley, fuck out of here. Absolutely not. It makes no sense. I support I support Sam I support Sammy. Okay. I stand with Sammy. I that's stand fine. with I, Sammy. I'm, I'm just Hashtag. trying to be consistent with myself here. That that's all. I mean, I, I but I, I get it. I mean, you all make good points. I mean, impact is a giant step. I, down. No, Jeff, I agree with you. You know, you're supposed to do you get the check from Tony Khan, you do the job that you're told to do. I would say the same thing if he was in WWE. You know, this is your place. This is your role. This is what you contribute to your brand. But I'm just saying, be consistent. If you if you hate people 
If you want people to voice their concerns in WWE, say, well, you're, you're not booking it right, Vince McMahon. You're out of touch. Then, you know. Listen, I, 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 I can't spend the better part of the last three years calling Leo Rush a prima donna and not calling Sammy Guevara a prima donna for doing basically the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. If it's true. Now, this is this is not a pattern with Sammy Guevara that I know of, and it's not a pattern yet. So we'll see. I, you know, I don't want to spend too much time. I, I respect everyone's view here. I'm just trying to be consistent within myself. I will say okay. this as the last part of it is Leo Rush. It does not have the same trajectory as Sammy Guevara. And to use someone that is, this is going to be ironic that I'm pulling this name, especially with Sammy's name and what he has said about this talent. But it reminds me a lot of when Sasha Banks left after WrestleMania two years ago. She took her ball and went home because she said, you know what? Uh, this booking makes absolutely no sense. I'm fucking taking some time off. And she came back and she got her mind right. And Vince respects her for it. And look at how he's booking her now. He's booking her right. Standing up to the boss helps out. Look at Sasha Banks. I hope that it ends in the same way for Sammy Guevara. Okay. Fair enough. All right, guys. Um, that wraps up AEW. Let's talk about some WWE. Let's start with TakeOver because we got Elimination Chamber. So we'll end with Elimination Chamber predictions. Let's talk about NXT. We had Vengeance Day over uh, the weekend. The biggest thing to come out is Cole um, turned on Finn Balor, which was to be expected. He is the NXT champion. But not only did he turn on Balor, he also turned on his own brethren, Kyle O'Reilly, and super kicks him in the mush, and then leaves Roderick Strong in the middle of the ring, and he's all confused and doesn't know about it. So I'll start with you, Chabello. What did you think of this ending to Vengeance? And, you know, we didn't really get an answer to this question last night on NXT. The other question I have for you is, Undisputed Era, did Cole leave Undisputed Era? Or did he kick Kyle O'Reilly out? Uh, I'll answer the second part. I think... It depends on where Roddy Strong is in, in this uh, situation. Where Roddy Strong goes is where Undisputed Era's direction will go. And if he follows Adam Cole, then he kicked Kyle O'Reilly out of Undisputed Era, and it will be just three men with him, uh, Roderick Strong, and Bobby Fish. And what I liked about the turn is, like, you know, I was expecting, like, with Adam Cole – I thought when he when he lost the uh, NXT title to Finn Balor a couple of months ago, and then you saw the level of respect that they were showing, I thought the, the reverse was going to happen. I thought there was going to be a turn with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish on against Adam Cole because you know he was getting soft, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. That's the way it looked like to me, and I thought that was the direction that we're going to go. So I think it was more. It's more better that Adam Cole goes back to you know, being his heelish ways, I think it's more better. It's more interesting. And there's two ways you can do this. I go with the old full horseman mentality. If you try to create a rift with it, but then there's an ulterior plan to like get Finn Balor to think that there's a rift in the undisputed era. And then they all jump him 
then that's good. I, I like that scenario. But if you want to give Kyle O'Reilly that push that he needs and deserves, this is the time to strike. If you want to go with the – well, I, I watched the hybrid match in Hammerstein years ago between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, and I, I was chanting out in Hammerstein, this is hybrid, this is hybrid. So I, I would love to see a hybrid match again in, on another future NXT takeover. That's the way I look at it. Very good. Jeff? I want people to listen to my words very carefully on this because the first three words are going to make it sound like it's a negative, but it's not. I don't care. And not because I don't care ab about it. It's because I'm interested any way it goes. It could be what Chabello said. It could be like the horsemen where they change horsemen. Adam Cole could join another group. There is the brand out there and actually Pat McAfee, who I was sure we'd never see from again. He's doing that hashtag Pat was right. I told you, Adam Cole. He's like Bobby Heenan. I told you Hogan was never was no good. I told you Adam Cole was no good uh, on his private jet, which I don't think he was mocking Ted Cruz at the time. But what timing? My God. Genius sometimes involves lucky timing. Um, this could be whatever it is. The good thing for Jeff predictions is that this says that the Undisputed Era are not going up to the main roster anytime soon. Adam Cole is not going up to the main roster anytime, too, anytime soon. Kyle O'Reilly is not going up to the main roster anytime soon. And none of them should, and none of them probably ever should. They should be exactly where they are. So we're going to have one-on-one -on -one matches. We're going to have tag matches. Yes, whose side is Roddy on? Can Bobby Fish ever wrestle again? I don't know. But whose side is Bobby on? Is he going to be with his Red Dragon partner, uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Finn, you know, is this a setup for Finn? Is this a long game? Is Adam Cole going to reform the undisputed era with the brand, which nobody's been using, but Pat McAfee was wearing the shirt that said the brand again last night. So who knows, but there's, I don't care because there's so many directions it goes in and I'm interested in all of them. And it's no accident that listen, NXT has been meh for a lot of the year. But for the last few weeks, it's been interesting. And it, it, it has been a better show than AEW from quality-wise, match-wise, and story continuity-wise. It just hasn't been as interesting. So what this shows is, is if you do something that's interesting, you're going to get some of that audience. And that's what happened. A lot of the people who were watching AEW went to watch NXT. Um, and, and so they're going to, you know, as long as they keep doing interesting things, they have a shot, you know, and triple H will tell you all along. That was our plan all along. Okay. Maybe whatever. But truth is, I, I don't really care because there's so many directions. They're all interesting. I'm interested. I want to see what's going, going on. I'm glad that McAfee is back. Hashtag Pat was right with emphasis added. Um, and, and I'm all for it. And all of a sudden, Lorkin and Birch are interesting again. I was bored as hell with those guys. I don't want them to lose the, the titles to MSK. Now, they probably will because, uh, you know, probably Roderick Strong or someone's going to cost them the match, but whatever it is. But I don't want them to now because now they're in this faction and they're, they're in this great story and titles only add to that. So, you know, and I think it's too soon for MSK anyway. But which, by the way, it's it's um, Mussy Kids. That's what MSK stands for. I, I really can't stand uh uh what's his name uh what's it called Birch and uh, no sorry Lurch and Organ is it? It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. I, I want the grizzled young Imperium revivals. They're they're so boring. They 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 they're, they suck. I want to see MSK. They're much more uh, interesting to watch. But I found it interesting. I mean, I like the fun is in the I chase, like, my friend. The fun is in the chase. Uh, it's COVID, uh, Jeff. I might not see the whole ending of the chase, so <laughs> I need I need immediate gratification right now. Okay. Right? Okay, uh, okay, Mr. Gloomy. <laughs> what I, I I like my foreshadowing in stories. So I was watching this um, main event last night, and I saw Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong come in in red tights, and I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! Like, don't they usually have like black tights?" So this is like, you know, I was thinking like NWO red. Like, mm -hmm. oh, now they're shooting off of uh, Undisputed Era as their own separate faction. I also found it interesting that Cole came out in his own Undisputed Era hoodie. So he's not really leaving the group. He's got a black hoodie on. He is the Undisputed so, Era. I know. So which way are we going here? I thought that it, was interesting. It would I be hysterical the if they come out and they start calling themselves the Undisputed Epoch. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> too smart for some fans. You, you have battling EUs or UEs. I I I like you. I'm very invested in this storyline, and I'm I don't know which way it's going to go. And I think that's what's great about it. I want to talk about what happened after NXT last night, and that has got social media buzz. We talked about it earlier. Was uh, this immediate report after NXT went off the air? I guess they did an angle. WWE did an angle where Kyle passed out. I guess because of all the injuries or the beatdown that Cole gave him. And he was stretchered out of the ring. Triple H came out. I guess they were filming this for uh, something on their social media or on the network. And somebody who was there in the audience live uh, put it on social media and said that Kyle O'Reilly had a seizure and that everybody should start praying for him. And apparently this guy's tweet, I, I feel like I... I have better tweets that don't go anywhere. But yet this guy's tweet got over and over fast. Everybody and their mother was praying for Kyle O'Reilly. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it hit uh, the, the viral wave. So I wanted to talk to you guys. Apparently this morning we find out that it's not anything to talk about, right? It's just part of the storyline. I found it interesting that everybody kind of took this news quickly and I, and and nobody like listened to a source. I was paying close attention because I managed social media for another wrestling brand, Unpopular Review. And I was hesitant to retweet it because I didn't know if it was legit or not. I didn't know if it was a work or if it was for real. So I waited to see if Sean Ross Sapp retweeted it or Ryan Sen, or anybody else, Meltzer, and nothing. I couldn't get any confirmation. So I said, I'm going to sit on this. The technician, lo and behold, the kingpin. Lo and behold, um, it, it's a, it's, it was a work. But it wasn't supposed to be a seizure. But that's, I guess, how good Kyle O'Reilly is at selling, is he made people believe that he had a seizure. Um, so I want to say, a lot of people are upset because they're like, you know, this is uh, too close to blurred lines. You guys shouldn't do this. Back in the old days, like you had, you couldn't break kayfabe, right? 
Kyle O'Reilly tweeted today that he's all right and that he's going to get back at Cole for injuring him and causing him to pass out in the He kept kayfabe. I'll start with you, Jeff. Do you think that's inappropriate? Do you think that's out of line? Do you think that at some point they should have been like, hey, guys, listen, we were just fucking around. Sorry you bought into the circus. I know you want it. I know you want it. I'm going to get with you. Blurred lines. That, oh. that I mean, listen. Well done. I mean, well done, Kyle O'Reilly. This is wrestling. You should assume everything's a work. Some dum dum thought it was real. They bought into it. The world bought into it. The, the wrestling. You should assume everything's a work. We found out the next day. Some guy got embarrassed. Now though, he got over, but he got buried right afterwards. No one will ever believe what he says again. Well done, WWE. I, I don't. I don't think that this is this is a non-story. The only story is that you know everyone wants to be outraged about something. Um, too bad. I mean, this this is wrestling. It's an injury angle. It's supposed to be serious. They they film things that air not on prime shows. They put things on YouTube. They air things to show next week. This is what happened after we went off the air. There's nothing mm -hmm. new about this in wrestling. So someone bought it. Well done, WWE. Well done, Kyle O'Reilly. Well done, Triple H. Well done, everyone involved with it. And let's get back to sticking. I want to get with you. Hey, hey. Oh, my Come God. On. You, let's go. you definitely don't sound I like Robin Thicke, and you definitely don't look like the hot chick that was dancing with Robin Thicke in the video. I, I'm about to be – I'm so good I'm about to be sued by the Marvin Gaye estate. You just watch. <laughs> <laughs> Chabella, what did you think about all this and, and the backlash this morning? I'm trying to like uh, uh, catch myself because of all the dancing that Jeff is doing. So it's a give lot. A it's a lot here. to take in. Yes, it's, it's, yes, it's very. We'll right. edit it. We'll, we'll edit out your recovery period. Yes, I'll, I'll look at it from two angles. Wait, wait, the Steve, you ready to come back? It's been 27 minutes. He should be okay now. That's right. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I look. I look at this from two angles, Steve. I want to commend the human condition. We cared. We looked at it. We 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 look. We prayed for somebody. That that was one of the first things that you have that people have got to understand that we are not monsters. We care for you know the, for another human being. We care that he was a, you know thoughts and prayers, Steve. That's what we should be commending people for. We should be commending the human condition that we're not assholes. We're not, you know, we're not mean people. We're not wishing death on somebody. We were wishing the health and well-being of Kyle O'Reilly, number one, which is fake. But number two, uh -huh. everybody wants to be right. Everybody, yes. wants to, everybody wants to be, you cannot outsmart me. You cannot insult my intelligence. All this stuff, I, I've seen this so many times. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the professor hat from my pro wrestling reflection podcast. I mean, this is like Fritz von Erich faking his own heart attack in Dallas, Texas, and Texas fans were pissed off that yes. the von Erichs wanted to use a heart attack angle to prolong a storyline after one of their sons died, one of their sons got into you know killed himself via suicide. Yes. So they did not want to see this. Uh, let's see. One that worked that, you know, people at least liked it. Sandman was blinded. Philadelphia yep. fans, the smartest fan in, in the world, ECW fans, they're so smart. They got hooked. 
That Sandman mm-hmm. tricked him and did what he did against Tommy Dreamer. But all lo and behold, that you know, because we got social media, we're too smart for this stuff. It, it, see, we can't even enjoy what we're supposed to expect for a prolonged storyline. We can't enjoy it because oh, it's a work. That's the problem with wrestling fans today. Yeah, you know what I we say about bet- that kid who released that on on social media. I'm going to steal a hustle gimmick to the chopper. <laughs> Get to I the was- chopper. I was, beg- I was begging WWE not to come out and be like, guys, sorry to say it was a work. Like, And they didn't, luckily. I guess they used their guys like Ryan Satin, who is on Fox payroll, to get the word out. But, you know, it, it, I, I want to believe that Kayfabe's still alive. And I love the fact that somebody actually believed enough. To be like, holy shit, this guy fucking was about to go to the hospital. He had a seizure. Like, I love it. I I, I buy into all of it. I mean, he's a mark, but sometimes that's yeah, not a bad good. thing. We're all marks. In other businesses, uh-huh. marks are called customers. <laughs> that's right. Mark is not a uh, – a lot of people use mark as a derogatory term, but here it's, uh, you know – Something different. On how it's it's sometimes now, it's a verb, sometimes it's an now. Action. Speaking of marks, Zia Lee something put now. the mark on Casey Catanzaro, and she's going to put the hurt business on her next week. And by the way, Casey Catanzaro in this whole wrestling thing, she's not very good at it. Oh come on! She she is awful in the ring. She's Let she's very athletic and springboardy, but she's no good. She's she. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least Rio connects with the people that she's facing. <laughs> Casey doesn't, but listen, next week she is going to get absolutely murdered, and someone on social media will say it's true, but she is going to get destroyed by Zia Lee and Boa and Jian Shah, and I'm so excited. <sighs> love it. I just love this so much. I like it, too. It's good. Any opinions on uh, Zia Lee? And uh, this whole like Mortal Kombat esque, um, you know, uh, angle that she's in. I'm just waiting for Sub Zero to come out and freeze people in the ring. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Ice runs cold. Glacier. Oh, no, he's, he's a free no, agent. No, no. Can I Jesus can I ask Christ. a question? Because this was tied into NXT with NXT with um, Malcolm Bivens and Robert Stone both being on the show both of their brands basically being embarrassed over and over again. And I noticed in WWE, with the exception of Paul Heyman with Brock, I am not saying Paul Heyman with Roman because it's more like Roman manages him than the other way around. Uh, And maybe MVP who's sort of a player coach. The the WWE's relationship with the manager, even Selena Vega, I mean, her team mostly lost. Managers used to lead to success. They used to be a character in the stories. They used to be something like Billy Kay is just comedy now. Robert Stone is just comedy father. Father Malcolm Bivens keeps making mistakes, or his own guy makes a mistake behind it behind his back. But whatever it is, the managers lead to failure. And WWE doesn't believe in managers anymore. In AW, say what you will. Arn Anderson manages a winner. Tully Blanchard manages winners. Um, Taz. Not Taz, hashtag fire Taz. Uh, but, you know, it, it's most of the time the managers mean something positive to their team. And that's how it's historically been. It hasn't always meant titles or whatever, but it prolonged the stories and made it more successful. In WWE, they just seem to be jokes. It's like it's like they put people together to, like, 
add someone to make someone else a failure as opposed to it elevating. It's it's more of the uh, it's kind of like an easy out angle in WWE, and I'll use uh, I even use the tag teams for W for uh, WWE. Vince doesn't believe in tag teams, so what's a great angle? Break them up and have like one on one matches. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. They just break away and, and they never answer the questions. And with managers, you know, we haven't WWE hasn't had a successful manager. I mean, you could say Paul Heyman, but he's an agent. He's always looked at himself as an agent or as an advocate. So he's never used that term manager anymore. So it's been a long time since even WWE has had a successful manager. We're talking maybe a decade, you could say. I mean, Selena Vega, the success that she has. Is it manager? Is it agent? Is it what are we going to call her during the NXT? Her her team mostly lost. I mean, they lost the Street Profits about eleven thousand times in a row, and and then and then she kept losing team members. So I wouldn't even call. I mean, it was a success because people loved looking at her, and she carried herself with attitude. And this was before Sasha Banks developed her boss character correctly. So Selena Vega was almost filling that lane. I don't know. It's just something to think about. The WWE seems to have a a bad relationship with managers, and I think that's a mistake. Yeah, but they've always done that. I mean, as you were talking, uh, the only manager that I can think of as being successful is Paul Bearer, and that's it. Paul Bearer had the undertaker paul bear had kane and then that's it like he goes you walked off into the sunset no i mean heenan's guys were always in the title picture heenan's were clowns though like come on somewhere mr perfect wasn't a clown rick rude wasn't i mean you know uh, jimmy hart had the tag team champions the hart foundation mr fuji had yokozuna um, Al, Lou Albano had Don Morocco, uh, Arnold Scotland had Kamala. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, they were there, they had a bunch, but what, what I'm saying is that the is Slick that managers led to something, even even the Heenan people that always lost. He always had someone in title picture, Big John Studd, King Kambandi, Paul Orndorff, no matter who it was. Piper was a manager for a while, but he was still a wrestler. I mean, you had Rick Rude. You always had people in in top tier stories, even if they they went Andre. Uh, you know, so you, you know whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that that he's got they're like bottom level stories, and they're mostly losing. And I think it's a mistake. It's a it's a missed opportunity to use a personality. I mean, Drake Maverick. They had him as a. They always have him as a fool, and they had him in a pissing angle. Um, you know, when they have Paul Ellering, an old school manager, right there to manage that team. I, I'm I'm just saying it's something that, that I thought about. It bothers me. The last successful manager was probably Lana with Rusev. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you bring up a lot of good points. I just think like there's I can count more managerial failures than I can managerial successes. I'll give you Heenan. Okay. And and That's- Heenan, Paul Bear, and I mean, Heyman, and that's it. I can't think of anybody else. Okay. Well, the, the managers of the 80s were more successful. Yeah. Lou Albano yeah. had the Samoans. I mean, come on, man. Come nah. on, man. Nah. Nah. He once had, are, he was managing you? Iron Mike Sharp, who was battling Don Morocco for the Intercontinental Championship. Made him a number one contender. Iron Mike Sharp. And then what do you do with him afterwards? It doesn't What's matter. Morocco rules. <laughs> yeah, you you had you had the Grand Wizard. You had Classy Freddie Blassie. These, these, 
they they managed champions. They were characters. They were part of the story. Even Jimmy Hart was always the irritant. He was he was always in the way. He managed Money Inc. You forget about that. Harley Race too. He had Vader. Harley Race. He had Luger. That's right. Yeah. See. Yeah. All right. You got a point. Point taken. Any other uh, takeaways from NXT? So that way we can get into SmackDown and Raw. Real quick ones. MSK is fighting Lorcan and Birch next week on the March 3rd show for the uh, the Tag Team Championships. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai are fighting Shania on March 3rd, also for the uh, WWE Women's title. So some counter-programming to uh, Shaq and Jade versus Cody and, and whatever else is going on next week on, uh, or in two weeks on AEW's Super Show prior to Revolution. There was one obligatory whole joke, which, you know, fine. Uh Cameron Grimes crashes Lamborghini, but he's so rich he doesn't care. He's going to buy a new one. Um, Tony Storm attacked Io Shirai, so I guess that's going to be the feud that we're going to see going on. L.A. Knight, L.A. Knight, former Eli Drake, put everyone on notice. We saw Zoe Dark, uh, Stark's debut uh, in, a, in a pretty good squash match. And the Santos Escobar cross story is just a little bit odd, and I'm not really feeling it at all. Yeah, no, I agree. Any uh, anything you want to talk about as far as NXT, Jabello? Uh, I'm just more interested in the main event angles of the Undisputed Era. Everything else is a little bit like I'm. I'm going to use the I don't care that Jeff used, but I'm going to use it in a more negative way. I don't care about the the underlying stories. Copy that. Except Zia Lee, I forgive you. Okay. All right, guys. Let's move on to WWE. Um, Let's start with SmackDown and then work our way to Raw. Um, I've got a couple of takeaways. The first being from SmackDown, Roman Reigns and the way they booked him to be out of the Elimination Chamber match, I thought was chef's kiss. Um, I've never seen this before, but it makes sense. This guy's such a badass that he shouldn't have to fight in the everything that Heyman said made sense to me, and that's why but, I loved it so much. But I want to say that give credit to us, mostly me, but us, who several weeks ago said that this is going to be a recurring thing ever since the card subject to change thing that we were going to see dueling gamesmanship and lawyering between Pierce and Paul Heyman, and that's exactly what that was. He looked at the contract and he knew right away. Roman Reigns needs to appear at Elimination Chamber, not in Elimination Change Chamber. And I heard a very prominent podcaster goes, that doesn't make any sense. You know, they used it just a few weeks ago. Card subject to change. No, my friend, that's not relevant. Card subject to change is who are the participants in the match or the types of match. But if your contract says at Elimination Chamber versus in, that's not the card subject to change. That's the wording of the contract subject to change. So you, my friend, were wrong, and anyone who heard that, wrong. Who's a lawyer in, in this world? This one is. That's not the card subject to change. That's the language. And I agree. Chef's kiss. I thought this was brilliant. I, this is a rather lackluster buildup to a show that's way too soon that I'm not excited about watching. But this I liked. And, Steve, you're going to be so proud of me on, on WWE Beach. You said, I want you to do five or six takeaways from each show, and that's it. That's that's all I did. Very and this good. is the longest the other, one. This is the longest the one. Other, the other thing that I – just real quick, the other thing that I really liked was the back and forth between Big E and Apollo. The fact that Big E tells this man, 
he says, I'm done with you. Go back to catering. Like that's got to be the biggest insult <laughs> to hear as a wrestler. And he's like, you're not telling me to go back to catering. But <laughs> it wasn't like, just yeah, that. He, he, he's before that. He said, I gave you an opportunity. You lost. I gave you another opportunity. I beat you. You lost. Now I'm done yeah. with you. Go back to catering. He's like, you know, how hard I tried. But yeah. And then Apollo is now a heel. That was one of my other takeaways. So done. Quick. I, I promised you. Someone needs to make a shirt out of that. Go back to catering. Oh, my Someone's God. For real, it. right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, th- The fact that, that that is an insult is such a smarky thing. But the minute I heard it, I was like, yo, this guy did not fucking say this to this guy. And I was like, amazing. Whoever yo, wrote that, did. amazing. Said, yo, get your ass back to catering. Hilarious. Um, Sonia continuing to be the false savior for Adam Pierce. Uh, they have to they have to move quickly to populate this elimination chamber match. Now it's all out of sorts. So she quickly she gives him a solution, but you know that that she's playing the long game and she's going to undermine him at some point. So what, love that. That was one of my other takeaways. By the way, we're at three of my six takeaways. We are. What's the payoff for the Sonya thing? I think that she she wrests control of SmackDown from Adam Pierce as the on air authority figure. And Adam Pierce stays on Raw. I guess. I think Adam Pierce is going to be in a different program. I think Adam Pierce is somehow going to be in a battle with Shane of some sort. I've sort of okay. WWE booking would have it be Shane against Braun. Jeff booking would be have it be Shane with his with his champion Dabakato with Adam Pierce with his champion Braun Strowman uh, to sort of settle that score on on the raw side of things. And Dabakato was drafted to Raw, and I know that they're dying to put a six foot nine man on TV. They just haven't figured out how to yet. What do you think, uh, Chabello, about uh, Sonya's role as of late? Well, you know what? I, I do like that Sonya could be the solo SmackDown authority figure. I think Adam Pierce is kind of like, you know, there's too much of Adam Pierce going on right now between SmackDown and Raw. Too much overexposure kind of, you know, is a, is a bad thing. You know, what he did with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman is good, but then if you want him to, like, do some stuff on Raw, then it's too much overkill to do more stuff on SmackDown. So Sonya Deville being that authority figure, solo authority figure on SmackDown, that's the way I would kind of go long-term. Plus, if people keep getting over him on SmackDown and nobody tries it on Raw, that's just stupid. Mm-hmm. Mm. No continuity there. Here are my other two takeaways from SmackDown, people. real quick. Otis and Gable don't need to be a team. They are. They continue to lose. And Bailey continues to win, but she doesn't seem to have any apparent goal. That's it. Those are my takeaways. I'm done with SmackDown. Can I have a hot take on this, Jeff? If, if of you course you mind. can. You're a guest. I, I want to say this, and you know, this might be an unpopular opinion here for the Hammerites out there, but I think the wrong woman won the, the Royal Rumble. I don't think Bianca Belair should have won the Royal Rumble. I think Rhea Ripley should have won that Royal Rumble. I think what it did was it, it kind of has lazy booking on SmackDown. I mean, you don't have you, you could have had a even if you didn't have the Elimination Chamber on the SmackDown side, you could have had an all women's SmackDown Elimination Chamber to build. Bianca Belair even more to win that to face Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. I think it was. I think it's a waste. I think it, you know just to have Bianca Belair try to play like that edge role and say, "I, you yep. know, I could face uh, 
Sasha or I could face Asuka, it's kind of lazy booking to me. I think it just, you know, defeats the purpose and it kind of like brings a lot of people, a lot of women down on the SmackDown side. I agree I with you. We, yep, I think we so both picked Rhea Ripley to win, and I love your the booking idea you just had for the Elimination Chamber where uh, Bianca wins that to, to earn a title shot. So, love that. I just figured that she would feud with Bailey, and once she feuded with Bailey, then she'd you know, you know, segue into WrestleMania as the number one contender, that she didn't need the Royal Rumble to get, to, to get a title shot in WrestleMania where Rhea does. But I, I love your idea. I agree. I didn't mean to speak over Steve, but I managed to do it anyway. <laughs> no, it's okay. I think we mentioned that a couple shows ago where we thought, I think in our Royal Rumble predictions, that it wasn't best for Bianca. Bianca didn't need to win the Rumble, but be to stretch out her storyline, right? To make her continue the chase, booking her in Elimination Chamber and having her look strong like um, Shayna did last year would have been perfect. And you're not, you don't have her look like a, you know, uh, dopey baby face. Like I think she's being booked as of late. Like it's it's obvious that they don't know what to do from here to, to the next pay-per-view. And the fact that Sasha's not defending at Elimination Chamber, at least as of right now, goes to show you that, you know, they didn't really think that hard about it. Let's move on to Monday Night Raw. Um, I think one of the biggest things that came out of Raw was that Miz uh, decides to bow out of the Elimination Chamber because he's going to cash in at some point. Good move. Promo, that was a positive. The promo that he cuts doesn't really make sense i think i think it was a little bit of a shoot in the fact that i think he thought edge's promo the week before was a little too stiff saying that if you announce your opponent you look like an idiot and so i think miz was trying to save face because he he cuts this promo after he eats a headbutt from drew mcintyre there was really no need for him to cut this promo. He could have just been like, you know what? I'm going to leave you guys guessing. But he has to mention Edge. He has to mention that he's saving face. So I thought that was interesting. He's being replaced in the Elimination Chamber by Kofi Kingston. Great replacement. I think this is going to be a lot better match with Kofi in the match. Check positive, and Kofi was a more recent champion than the Miz was, and belonged there. And it's kudos to Kofi and WWE for remembering that he fit the criteria. So this is a net positive for even a worse Elimination Chamber story on the other side. I don't know why Jeff Hardy's still in there, but that that's a, agreed. Or Randy Orton, though those are two other stories for two other days, I guess. And it gives me my payoff during the Elimination Chamber that Retribution will make an appearance and cost Kofi Kingston at the Elimination Chamber because that's my favorite group. Oh, that would oh, be beautiful. Wow. And on and on the, the tune of Retribution, something you mentioned last week, Steve, you asked, will Damian Priest have to change his finisher's name because of Reckoning in Retribution? Now, you thought that maybe that meant that Reckoning was leaving Retribution. I'm like, nah. She's better off. And we had a little discussion on that. So check out last week's episode if you want to hear that discussion. But Damien Priest, his finisher is now called Hit the Lights. That's right. You can't have the same thing. Just like you can't can't have two guys with the same first name on WWE. Vince hates that shit. I knew immediately. Like, she's reckoning. His finishing move is reckoning. There's mm -hmm. too much reckoning. Yep. Not a, 
Speaking of I reckon uh, there was too much reckoning, and there's gotta be a reckoning about all that reckonings. That's right. And speaking about that was my old timey western gold (laughs) claim, gold uh miner claim voice. My name's Cookie. I got beans. Your claw claim. Is your old prospector? I'm an old yes, my old prospector. That's my that's my mule number seven. You know, when my you old do, prospector uh, impersonation is terrible. I should just stick to vaguely Macedonian. No, you should just stick to Taz. Whenever I close, you do Taz, and I close my eyes. I feel like Taz is on the podcast. I thought you were gonna say I should stick to singing blurred lines. No, fuck that. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of singing, Bad Bunny on SNL this week and is the new twenty four seven champion. That, Yay! That's right. Do you, Chabello? There was a lot of. Uh, Everybody, whenever a celebrity wins a title, everybody gets up in arms. I think the last guy that won the 24-7 championship that was over Super Bowl weekend, and it was Doug Flutie. And everybody mm-hmm. was like, this is bullshit. Do you have a problem with Bad Bunny uh, winning this t- championship? No, I think uh, people don't see the value of the 24-7 championship. But WWE, you know, whether you agree with it or not, the 24-7 title is a, is a marketing ploy. So, you know, if Doug Flutie one week for Super Bowl weekend wins it, then so be it. Bad Bunny, he's going to be on SNL, so be it. Rob Gronkowski is a wrestling champ, a former wrestling champion and a Super Bowl champion. That's great. That's kudos for WWE marketing and strategy right there. So, you know, keep, keep the celebrities coming. Why don't R-Truth go to the Golden Globe Awards? And he lo- and lets uh, an actress roll him up. Why don't he go to the Academy Awards, to the Grammys, to the Tonys, whatever the case may be? He should go to the Oscars movie. and have The Rock roll him up. There you go. I mean, I I wouldn't mind that. You know, and, 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 the, pro- <laughs> <laughs> and the the problem with that is that they're counting our truth like reigns. Like, so what if he's going to be the thousand time twenty four seven championship? It's his belt. It doesn't matter how many yeah. times he's gonna win it. It's what he who he interacts with. That's the that's the beauty of it. The, the professor makes a lot of valid objective points. I just want to say one thing. I I criticize AW a lot for having all these inside jokes. If you roll up all of the yuck yuck inside jokes, we're all part of the family thing into one thing. It's the same as the twenty four seven title, I guess, without the celebrities. So I understand the marketing part of it from objective standpoint, but the twenty four seven is a yuck yuck inside joke kind of thing and i don't i don't think it's funny i mean so no i i i don't like it but if they're going to use it for that purpose sure bad bunny makes sense in this context but it, that doesn't mean i like it, it does, i don't like it any more than i like marco stunt being a wrestler or them announcing you know having negative one on national tv now months later uh or brandy announcing the doing a gender reveal on the air i mean it's it's all yuck yuck you know, pop a buck there. I don't like it. It's I, I like it because I know what to expect from it, right? It it's the joke title. I don't like a joke only, title. My only criticism of the way that this was booked was here you have an up and coming talent in Damian Priest, and Damian Priest was okay with just passing this title along. He knocks Tazawa the fuck out. And he tells Bad Bunny. Go ahead, pin him. Like in Spanish. The, in Spanish, yeah. Ganate el campeonato. 
And I said, well, obviously, if anybody tells me that, then I'm going to be like, all right. All right, Damian Priest, I got you. Big payday. I, I, I understand what it means for Bad Bunny. And for if, even if he has it on Saturday Night Live this weekend, it's great for WWE. He will definitely have it on Saturday. And Damian Priest will definitely be there with him. Wouldn't it be uh, sad that Bad Bunny as the 24-7 champion is more proud of that accomplishment and carries his title than Brock Lesnar showing up at a UFC event without the universal title? Well, I'm just happy that you didn't say John Moxley leaving for five weeks again. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, if you're so proud about being the champion, shouldn't you roll with your belt all over the place? Like, that was one of my biggest things on on Brock. Like, you roll up to, uh, who was it? Uh, okay. John Paul Jones or something like that? Let, let me, let me tell you something about Brock. Right before he leaves, wherever they're filming, whatever arena, he puts it in the Halliburton case, locks it up, and gives it back to Vince or Jerry Briscoe, whoever's in charge that night. And he says, I'll see you in six weeks. Thanks. It's yours he now. Just, he doesn't give two shits about that belt. Isn't there a video where he just off the metal detector in the airport? That's all that does. That just slows him down going through security. Before we get to the big thing that I want to talk about, which is Lacey Evans and this pregnancy angle, let's talk about <laughs> Bliss and uh, I was gonna I wrote Pentagon, but it was really a pentagram. A lot of people are uh, a few, a good amount of people on social media are upset about this angle, saying, "Oh, you're uh, making references to the occult. This is inappropriate. I'm selling my stock." Jeff, uh, I know you love this this supernatural uh, gimmick gimmickry i don't uh give us your thoughts on this satanic bliss give me more they're referencing the occult what the hell do they think the papa shango was what the hell do they think kane was or the undertaker what do they think wayland mercy was what do they think that bray wyatt and, and occult was about i mean what do they think abaddon is she's a zombie for god's sake she's she's biting people in the ring what what is the sinister minister what was kevin sullivan what was the dungeon of doom as can't be as it was supposed to be come on people i i have a feeling that in the venn diagram of the people who cried about kyle o'reilly's injury fooling them and the and people complaining about uh alexa bliss and the satanic thing that it is 88% the same people who are complaining about the same thing. Fuck those people. I understand if you don't like the Fiend story or the Fiend character. I understand if you don't like the Alexa Bliss thing. Fine, that's your opinion. I love it. Give me more. No problem with it. The fact that there was a pentagram introduced to this story, who cares for, for Lucifer's sake? And wow. by the way, well, people, if you listen to Garden of Doom a couple weeks ago, you would learn that there was no individual Satan that was the form of the devil until the Treaty of Westphalia, when the Protestant churches and the Catholic Church came to a peace accord in the year 1648. So about 400 years ago, not even 500 years ago, was Satan the devil. Before that, Satan was just one of the lieutenants in the army of the revolting angels. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it, you motherfuckers. It's not even half a millennia old, sheep. What what episode of uh, Game of Thrones did you pull this out of? Game of Thrones is a different world. They have the old gods and the new, the seven gods. What the hell is wrong with you? I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. I thought Westphalia was a part of... Uh, Westeros! 
Yeah, oh, sorry. That's the that's a different West. Sorry, Kanye You're West, Westeros, truly. You know what? Too over. You should become you should become a, a Night's Watchman and and a eunuch the rest of your life up there. <laughs> to to the wall, to the wall Who with is, you. Oh shit! Oh my god, Chabello. Any uh, opinion on Alexa Bliss pentagrams and uh, all this other stuff? Or pentagram. Steven should get a pentagram from Satan saying, "Come on home." Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Uh, let me just say this: this is the problem with the IWC YWC because when you look at Alexa Bliss and what she's doing, when you're trying to compare, especially in 2021, to Rosemary and Abaddon, it's night and day. First of all, first and foremost, she's a possessed woman under the spell of the fiend. It has no correlation with Rosemary in Impact Wrestling. It has no correlation with Abaddon and AEW. It's two, it's different characters and different presentations, number one, for all those mark cards out there. Number two, I like it. It's okay. She is knocking it out the park for what she's supposed to be doing. She's possessed, guys. What's wrong with that? Why why are people nitpicking and comparing? You're not supposed to compare to other women doing, you know, morbid stuff out there. She is possessed. I like the eyes. I like the blood coming out of her mouth. I like the pentagram. And again, well, maybe the fiend thing is a little bit of overkill. And where is it going against Randy Orton? If it's going to be a WrestleMania match between the fiend and Randy Orton, I know a lot of people don't like a Randy Orton match right now. I I respect y'all, but if that's where it's going, that's where it's going. But as far as what Alexa Bliss is trying to do, she's knocking it out of the park. Agreed. I agree with you. Speaking of monsters done right, Lashley looks amazing. Unfortunately, that probably means he's going to drop his title. But Lashley continues to be amazing. He, we have been on the forefront of this on Hammerlock Hangover. I have been on the forefront of this for years and years and years, hearing Lashley sucks, Lashley sucks. No, he doesn't suck. You all suck. Now you know. There you go. Absolutely. Freak of nature in a three-piece suit. That's, the most That's right. Y'all better recognize. Yo, he is a beast. And I'll get into my opinions on, on if he's going to drop this title during our next segment for Elimination Chamber Predictions. Let's wrap up this WWE segment uh, for Raw and SmackDown by talking about what's got everybody a buzz, and that's this Lacey Evans announcement that she's pregnant. So on Raw, in the middle of this match that she doesn't want anything to do with Charlotte in, she grabs a mic, and as Charlotte's about to wring her neck, she says and announces that she's pregnant. Rick, First off, Ric Flair's reaction to this is priceless. Oh, I want you to call me daddy. Woo! Woo! Phenomenal. I think if I was 65 and uh, was able to knock up uh, someone Lacey's age, I'd probably have the same reaction. Viagra, um, Steve. Viagra. <laughs> I don't think Rick needs Viagra. I think the dude can can still go. He seems like he... <laughs> like how he keeps yelling at Charlotte... I'm not staying at home. Rick, Rick needs me to represent him because he can go to a Viagra company and just change the name to Space Mountain, and he can make millions and millions of dollars calling the pills Space Mountain. Without a doubt, I'd buy that stock immediately. So <laughs> give me a thousand shares of Space Mountain right now. So, um, you know, a lot of people are quick to. I, I want to bucket this into the same thing with the Kyle O'Reilly thing. Like, I have yet to see a 
a, a blue, two blue stripes on a stick. I have not seen any proof. I don't see a sonogram. I don't see Lacey Evans saying, showing any type of evidence on her social media. And if you talk to anybody online about this saying, oh, well, I hope it's a work. Everybody says, well, the dirt sheets wrote it, so it must be true. Well, the dirt sheets also wrote that Ricochet is leaving for AEW and come to find out uh, he's re-signed in, uh, a contract and he's staying for a while. So you can't really believe everything. And not for nothing, the guy that's booking it, Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon, Pritchard on his own podcast has admitted to planting stories in the dirt sheets just so that way he can get some buy-in as far as shock value is concerned. I'll tell you my opinions on this real quick, and then I want to hear you. I really hope that this is a work. I hope that Asuka gets rolled up by Lacey Evans on Sunday at Elimination Chamber, and she says, oh, I had my baby, y'all. This here is my baby. The Raw Tag Team Cha the Raw Women's Championship is my baby. And this is my daddy, Ric Flair, and we are happy family. Woo! <laughs> I would I would fucking the internet would fucking explode. I, everything would 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 just cease to exist. I would love it just for the shit show that it would become. Everywhere I put that, people tell me that I'm an idiot and that I'm wrong. What do you guys think? What are your opinions? Let's start with you, Chabello. What do you think of this angle, and um, how you feel the about Lacey? You, and the way you're presented, the way you're presented it, I like it. I wish, <laughs> I and I hope, and I pray that that happens because it makes all the sense in the world. But you know what? I'll look at it from a different angle. Oscar is a baby maker. I mean, Oscar was supposed to do something with Becky Lynch. Becky got you know magically pregnant, and yeah. now Oscar is with Lacey Evans magically gets knocked up she's the baby maker she, she's a miracle worker right now so whoever works with oscar you might get me you might miss a period you gotta watch yourself you might miss a period <laughs> he meant in syntax there he meant in syntax oh my god i like that what's his, what's his name okada is the rainmaker. oscar is the baby maker <laughs> <laughs> jeff any thoughts on this um i don't think you're an idiot I do think you're wrong. I I actually love your scenario. I think that would be hysterical. I think while they will do pentagram and lighting people on fire, I don't think that they play with pregnancy. I don't know. That would that would be pretty bold. That would be pretty funny. Um, but no, I I mean I've heard reports that she's really pregnant. And frankly, Lacey Evans not being in the division is good. You're right. You haven't seen any proof of it. But, I mean, she's not required to provide proof of it. I mean, she's entitled to privacy. This isn't the NFL where you have to, you know, prove your injuries if you're going to be on the questionable or inactive list. Um, and to respect Lacey, guys, she does keep it kayfabe on her Twitter. She never really she goes. Does. She never yeah. blurs that line. She really stays true to her character. Yep. Yeah. Now – I have so the other thing that leads me to believe that this is a work is they really haven't announced the alternative plan. Who's going to face Oscar for this championship? I have an idea, but I'd like to start with you guys. Let's go in reverse order this time, Jeff. If it's not Lacey, who's it going to be? I don't care as long as Lacey tells Charlotte she has to call her mommy. <laughs> Trebello, any idea? Any ideas on who who is? Uh, 
Lacey's replacement if she is indeed actually pregnant? Again, this this goes coincides with my thoughts about the the Royal Rumble and and you know the lazy bookings. I mean, you could have even Rhea Ripley could have just used that spot, even though it would have made no sense in the world. She could have just used that spot if she won the Royal Rumble. Hypothetically, said, "I'll just take it right now. I'll meet I'll meet you right now during the elimination chamber." Hindsight being that Lacey and Peyton Royce is our tag team partners. So the lazy Bruce Pritchard way would just substitute Peyton Royce into this elimination chamber match, which would then make me go to the to the kitchen and make a sandwich during that match. Would well, it's not Becky one... Lynch, and it's probably not Ronda Rousey. That's a... Would either of you be upset with the fact that they announced Charlotte is the opponent and Charlotte becomes the 11th time women's champion? It, it's happening. I thought you were going to say, would would you be upset if it was Tessa Blanchard or if they just put Taya Valkyrie in there, you know, sort uh, of as a former knockout champion? Yeah. Um, would I be upset? No, because Charlotte's going to get that belt. So Rhea Ripley can win at a WrestleMania. So she's got to get it sooner or later. So, I mean, sure, it would be more palatable to win it off of Lacey Evans than Asuka. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, ha- we have a mutual acquaintance whose head will explode if, sh- if Charlotte wins against Asuka, especially that combination. Um, but watching someone's head explode is sort of funny. I mean, Scanners is a great movie. Um, <laughs> that, that's it. I, I don't want to spend any more time on this for my... You guys, you guys take the remainder of time for this segment. Yeah, I will I think never tr- be mad that the Queen reigns supreme again. I will never be mad at that. Uh, you're a Charlotte fan? She's she's one of the goats of women's wrestling. Thank you, thank you. Why why do you think she gets so much hate? Uh, it's easy. The haterade is out there. I think they hate the nepotism. I think people assume that she got it so easy because of the Flair name and the association of Ric Flair, and that's really not the case. She's bust her ass, you know, mm-hmm. developmental. She bust her ass FCW NXT. And she is motivated to do, and as people watch those documentaries off, off the network, she has busted her ass to pay homage to her brother, Reed, yeah. to, to yep. really do him right. So she's very motivated to do this. But, you know, winning all those titles, I, and I think people assume, like, she won it so quickly, like, no, she busted her ass to do all this stuff. And again, you know, when you go into the Mark Tard methodology that she beat, Oscar at WrestleMania in New Orleans. I think that's where the hate started, it, you know, and it just followed her from there. Yep. I also think, I don't think she gets enough credit. People have short-term memory when it comes to her and who she's put over because they think, oh, she's buried a bunch of people getting to 10 championships, but she's put over Becky Lynch and made her a lot more legitimate. She's put over Bailey and made her a lot more legitimate. Sasha Banks, Ronda Rousey, Asuka. So there's, she's, she does exactly what her father did. Her father mm-hmm. was the living legend, still is, but the man put over so many people by taking that L. And I think that the, she doesn't get enough credit for that. All right, that wraps up all of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Let's talk quickly about this Elimination Chamber predictions. 
And let's start with, we already just spoke about uh, Asuka and Lacey, so we'll skip that one. Let's start with um, the aforementioned United States title match. Bobby Lashley is the champion versus Keith Lee versus Matt. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Riddle. Uh, Chabello, who do you think is winning this match? It's a toss-up because I would have said Keith Lee, but then the momentum was gone when he got the COVID or contact tracing, whatever happened. So I'm going to, you know, I believe in Lashley. I believe in this run with Lashley with the U.S. belt. I think I'm in the minority on this. I think Lashley holds on to that belt. And probably they'll just do a rematch and do a one-on-one between Lashley and Keith Lee for WrestleMania. I, I just see that from, for some reason for myself. Hmm. Jeff? What do I think is going to happen? The worst possible outcome. I think Riddle will win the championship. What I hope comes from that is is that it well he hasn't he's been getting killed every week so he doesn't you know deserve it I mean I, I like Matt Riddle I like Riddle as a wrestler too and as a performer um, I think what might come of it is that it's such a abomination that that it drives Keith Lee into the hurt business which is would but that's would make me too excited frankly any outcome here would be okay I I would be okay with Keith Lee winning the title. I would love Lashley to keep the title, but I fear it's going to be Riddle. Again, nothing personal against Riddle. He just hasn't been booked to win a title. He's booked to basically be a boob who gets killed by the um, hurt lock week in, week out, legitimately. Uh, I mean, in, in, in clean fashion. So mm -hmm. there you have it. And bro nuts. And, and bro nuts. I do I like think for, for the reasons that you just listed, that's exactly why Riddle's going to take this championship on Sunday. I think he, for the last five weeks, he's done nothing but put over Lashley on this hurt lock. This guy, as as green, not green, as much of a rookie as he is and in, on the main roster, this guy is understands where the camera is, how to make his facials, sell those facials, and sell moves. This guy, just the way he flails around for this hurt lock, is probably the best selling that I've seen anybody to that hurt lock. Like it looks devastating when Lashley throws him into the barricade. This guy, you hear thumps. You think Riddle's really hurt. This guy knows what he's doing, and I think WWE booking is that he's taken so many L's. They're gonna pay him back, and he's gonna win this title on Sunday. Let's talk about. There's not really many cards on the match right now. Um, there's five listed, and we've already talked about two of them. Let's talk about this SmackDown Elimination Chambers, Chamber match. We've got Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, King Corbin, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and Daniel Bryan. The winner will face Roman Reigns later that night, or probably right after the match, I would imagine. Who do you think is winning this match and facing Roman? Jeff? Well, I'm going to do what I did last time and tell you what I think WWE will do and what I think should happen. Um, either way, Roman's retaining. So let's get that one out of the way. I think WWE logic and illogic dictates that Kevin Owens is going to win, and we're going to have to see that match yet again. But because he fought five other guys, uh, you know, then, then Roman's going to be able to sneak out with it one more time. What I would like to see and see as an outside chance is – my dark horse is Cesaro 
winning because he's been getting a little push. And I think that will make the IWC happy at least for a month. And WWE has been tipping their hat a little bit more and more to the IWC over the last couple of years um, with middling success. But I'm sort of feeling that. But but I'll go with – but if I'm going to make a prediction, Kevin Owens. Chabello? You know what? I'm going to go with the the scenario that I've been hearing on Talking Smack from Daniel Bryan. I think Daniel Bryan and Cesaro will be the last two in the chamber. And I'm going to go Daniel Bryan to win it. And I think it's going to cause Cesaro to rage and cost them against Roman Reigns so they could build on Daniel Bryan and Cesaro maybe in the next couple of weeks of SmackDown. I don't, I don't see mm. WrestleMania, but maybe. But I just see more of a, of a rage Cesaro against that. Very good. I like that. I, I have little hope uh, related to this match. I think it's too soon. Cesaro is getting a push, but I think it's too soon to just feed him and his push to Roman. So I don't see Cesaro winning. You think it's too soon to end this push? <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I, absolutely. So I think you're going to see, we're going to see Kevin Owens win. And it's stuff that we've already seen before. And it's just going to be, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the finger poke of doom at the, at the end of the match with Roman versus Kevin Owens, where Kevin Owens just kind of pins Owens at the end of Elimination Chamber. And that's that. Let's see here. So that was those two matches. And then let's talk about the Raw the Raw title match. It is Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Sheamus, and Kofi Kingston for the WWE Heavyweight Championship. Who is winning this title? Or who is winning this match? Who are you asking? Um, let's start with you, Chabello. I think uh, it should be if, if we go with the traditions drew you know somehow some way you know successfully defends his title and yet cash in with miz at the end so this way he can defeat drew mcintyre and build because you really haven't had that good drew buildup for wrestlemania i don't care what anybody says with sheamus and stuff like that you know if if miz is a consolation then so be it for wrestlemania but have miz cash it in after drew you know, defends his title at the Elimination Chamber. Jeff? Um, I will tip my cap to uh, WWE for having Sheamus come out in the final position in the Elimination Chamber. That's, that's as about as good as they're going to do with him. But Drew will win his belt, and The Miz will not successfully cash in, if he can, uh, even if he tries to cash in. The Miz at WrestleMania... I'm sorry, you, you should be stripped of at least one of your doctorates for, for that one. The, I know, the, I know the bad money stuff, but I'm just going with what I think should happen. Not what if will the Miz does cash in, which he won't, but if he does, he'd be losing it before Fastlane. You know, I, I forgot to mention this when we were covering Raw, but the way that the Miz was booked on Raw was atrocious. You had Drew McIntyre in this gauntlet match as the main event. And by the end of it, he's exhausted. He's burnt out. He gets beat, beaten clean by one brogue kick to Sheamus. The guy looks winded. Is mm -hmm. this not the opportunity? Fuck Elimination Chamber. Why didn't Miz cash in right then and there? 
he looks like an he we said I said it earlier he looked like an idiot when he was cutting this promo in the beginning when he was uh you know trying to defend himself against Edge and he looks like an idiot at the end of the show because he never comes out and cashes in when he should have cashed in they should have written I have him a theory off. What's your theory uh, He's managed by Taz <laughs> Well that would be that would explain everything then you're absolutely yeah. right yeah. No you're you're 100% right moronic that I mean if the, if this was if they want to have a scintilla of realism, that should have been it. And maybe Seamus Bro kicks him because he selfishly, you know, wants to be yes. Andrew. I don't know, but yes, you're you're 100 percent correct with that. But yeah, my theory is that he's secretly managed by Taz. <laughs> it just didn't make any sense to me. I thought it was I, I, again. If you want to not repeat what you're about to do on s Sunday, fine. Just write him off. Make him, uh, you know, get a random call from Morrison saying, hey, I'm at an emergency medical facility. I need you to come pick me up. Whatever. Maurice is pregnant I again. Think, I think there's a, there's a handicap, guys. I think you have to look at it this way to be fair here. And I'm not defending WWE, but the money in the bank, when that that cash in, you know, I, I mean, it's lackluster now because it's been so overdone. But it always needs a crowd. It, it needs a crowd reaction for it. Yeah. Now, what you said, Steve, you know, after all this, after the gauntlet makes perfect sense. But you need a crowd for that. And you need a girl in the, in the stands to be pissed off that the Miz did it again. <laughs> deja vu all over again. But when you the don't have girl. that. You, you just put that Brick Baker picture on all of the LED screens. <laughs> it's just not the same, Jeff. I'm just saying. It would be better. That's why it would be so much yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I just I just feel like the the elimination chamber you know network I mean, special you just do it there. That's the, AEW that's couldn't think. even get Matt because it was on NXT TV. That's WWE owned footage. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. That would be hysterical. Then, then everybody would be uh, screaming that the Forbidden Door is open. The Forbidden Door. Britt Baker's on WWE TV. Well, Kenny's the WWE champion. <laughs> cool. That's right. That's right. It's already open. All right, that's all our predictions right there. Let's move on to my favorite time, my favorite segment of the show. Let's talk about some news. All right, folks. We have news, so let's go. Well, we traditionally start with ratings here. So, the news this week is that FinJuice equals ratings because Impact scored its highest viewership in weeks, if not years, one hundred and ninety-seven thousand people, up over fifty thousand from the previous week. So, Kenny Omega, no. Matt Hardy and Private Party, no. FinJuice, yes. Woo! Wait, 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 Jeff. The Finn Juice outranked Kenny Omega's first appearance on Impact? Uh, yeah, but by, by, I believe the first appearance was 177,000 or 183,000. So, yeah, even the first. Even the very first. Yeah. <laughs> so, Juice Robinson and David Finley. Now, listen, maybe it's because there's two more people from New Japan, so people believe that the Forbidden Door was kicked wide open. Re reputable sources from David Meltzer to Jason Solomon have reported that this Finn Juice thing has nothing to do with this greater arrangement. It's just coincidental that Juice Robinson and David Finley were always coming to impact for a period of time that that was already in the works. What do I know? Well, I know is what they said. So other ratings, 
AW and NXT both did relatively poorly, though NXT rebounded remarkably from last week. AW six, I'm sorry, seven hundred and forty-seven thousand. NXT seven hundred and thirteen thousand. SmackDown went down one point eight eight four. Um, there was uh, Raw a slight rebound up, only slight though, about sixty thousand. One point eight one. Uh, there was a huge drop from hour one, which was over 1.9 to hour three, which was about 1.6. Um, AW Dark, the last three weeks, 337, 325,000, 348,000. MLW, the, the last three weeks. Now, this past week was their Filthy Island, the sort of a pay-per-view type of event, but on regular TV. Again, only 24 hours old, 28,000. Last week, 95,000. The week before, 99,000. So we have seen MLW numbers steadily rise from sort of their happy place of 45,000 now to being closer to 100,000. So MLW is in some form of ascension. I, you know, okay. still, I mean, you know, 150% less than, than the women's tournament on AW's YouTube channel, which is 257, but noteworthy. Can we, can we talk about uh, my happy place? What did Selena de Laurenta do? Selena de Laurentiis, 90-day not-compete ended. Um, and no, the other thing she did was not Thea join Trinidad. SAG Astro. That's Thea Trinidad. I'm talking about oh, I'm sorry. Selena de Laurenta. Oh, Selena de Laurenta. Selena de Laurenta represents Azteca Underground, uh, and they won their match against Savio Vega, my close personal friend and soon-to-be friend of the Hammerlock Hangover Show, Mil Muertes, defeated Savio Vega when he introduced when he got a crowbar that Savio Vega introduced into the match and knocked Savio the fuck out. And when last we saw Mill, he was digging a hole in the in the Mexican jungles. So apparently Azteca Underground Incorporated now has control over the IWA Puerto Rican wrestling organization owned at least in part by the now apparently deceased and buried Savio Vega. Love it. Yeah. Um, I will say, I'm not going to say anything more about MLW. If you want to watch it, watch it. Though I will tell you on the UPR and our Patreon content, I do a Ring of Honor review and a Major League Wrestling review. And you've only missed one so far if you haven't joined Patreon yet. So it's not too late to get in on the fun from the, from the ground up. Woo! And if NWA Woo. ever picked up again, which I'm not sure about, I'll review that too. Um, okay. So, other news. Some signings. We already talked about Eli Drake is now LA Knight with NXT. Taya Valkyrie has signed with NXT. Blake Christian, who the who signed with NXT, was on Impact's uh, No Surrender Impact the night before. There are rumors unconfirmed that a former... Uh, Deathmatch wrestler, also indie darling Christian Casanova, may have signed with uh, NXT. And AR Fox is also rumored to have signed with uh, NXT. Uh, people might remember him as Dante Fox in Lucha Underground, had a program with Killshot, who's Isaiah Swerve Scott. Uh, we already talked about Juice Robinson, David Finley being an impact, and, and all of the stuff around that. Um, other news, we talked about Lacey Evans being pregnant. We heard Steve's theory. There was a report that MVP has a knee injury. He he got it in the Raw match. I haven't seen any confirmation of that since, so I'm assuming if it happened at all, it's not serious, hopeful. 
Um, also, Carlito, the Carlito experiment seems over. Uh, he apparently had a three-week tryout. It didn't last three weeks, so there goes my dream of him jo joining the Hurt business. I did see him advertised in a indie show for the a WWA event in Puerto Rico with uh, it was either Primo or Epico. Um, they called the Cologne Dynasty or something like that. Um, so I have my suspicions. Conan is reported to have COVID, and this very night I saw breaking news that it's serious and he's hospitalized. So it's not confirmed, but I did see that reported. So he has a people know he's he's been struggling with lots of health issues, notably his kidney, and then of course COVID, you know, being dangerous in in and of itself enough also racks hell with your immune system. If you've got kidney problems, your immune system is already always at risk. Same reason, I mean, kidneys affect diabetes, which is why you didn't see Kyle O'Reilly and, and some other wrestlers performing uh, during uh, the, the peaks of COVID. Um, NXT has taped its new show. It's called Evolve. Uh, it's going to be hosted by Josiah Williams. The reports I saw is that's going to be focused on 24 of the wrestlers signed to the Performance Center and maybe some other folks from NXT who are underutilized. Uh, it is not clear where that's going to air. I'm not sure if it's going to be USA, Peacock, the network, all of the above. Uh, we just mentioned Selena, uh, Tria, I'm sorry, Thea Trinidad, Selena Vega's 90-day non-compete has ended, so she can show up wherever she wants. Teddy Hart is in jail again. He's... Uh, has charges for child endangerment, fleeing and eluding, and suspicion of possession. Um, I am 75% sure that this is in Texas. Because it's Arlington, it could be Virginia or Texas. He's had problems in both states. I'm 75% sure that these are not new charges, that these are old charges. Either a warrant was served or he violated the probation. People have seen him with the ankle bracelet and he's gotten into trouble with violating sort of home arrest or you know those kinds of terms before. The reason why I think it's Texas, and, and I should have looked into it instead of Virginia, is that I'm close to Virginia. Up here in the mid-Atlantic, we don't have charges of suspicion of possession to intent. We have possession with intent to distribute, possession, things like that. We don't have suspicion. The closest thing to suspicion we have is conspiracy. Texas seems like the kind of place where you'd have get arrested for suspicion of possession with uh, and by so anyway uh, I guess more to come on that as as need be uh, for those of you who don't come, know when you say hmm? more to come you mean charges right because I mean it's Teddy Hart we're talking about uh, on that <laughs> this story cannot end well I mean well it can but it's unlikely to end well um, I also want to follow up on a personal story I have been tweeting and getting responses from Josh Nasem from Figure Four Online, The Observer. It's been pretty responsive, but also sort of evasive. He finally admitted that, that they don't have hard to kill buy rates, same as Final Battle. The smaller shows don't, don't they don't get the, the, the buy rates. Uh, so he suspects it didn't do well. That certainly means under 15,000 buys. Um, I don't believe that they don't get the rates. I I believe 100% they have the rates. I asked them to ask somebody whose name might rhyme with Save Seltzer. Uh, at that point, that might be when he stopped talking to me. I then asked him if he knew about the TV viewership for Ring of Honor. He said, well, it's really difficult with all of the different stations to compile that together, which is true, except I suggested to him, I said, well, 
Have you ever just asked Sinclair for the numbers? I mean, they might give it to you. They are a publicly traded company. It's it's they're not on the New York Stock Exchange, but you know, it's probably in their shareholder disclosures. They probably have to reveal it somewhere. Or you could ask media ad buyers because they have to reveal that so that media ad buyers know what prices to offer for those uh, blocks and those shows. Um, yeah. He didn't respond to that either, much the same way as Court Bauer still hasn't responded to educating me on the fina financial streams rather than just listing various places where MLW makes money. So these are I will not stop. I will continue to pester these people until they either answer me or block, or block me. <laughs> that is my Maybe pledge to like you, them. the Hammerlock, the Hammerlock Hangover family, the Hammerites. The Hammerites. Very good. That is, is that all, all that I news? have for news. All the news that's fit to print. Well, that's it, man. I think we've we've talked about it all. Uh, did we miss anything? Professor? No, and I got my plugs in during the course of the show, so I've I've, I've got nothing. I think we can just give it to, yeah. You know, well, you and Chabello can can close out. Very good, Professor. Um, thank you for coming on to the show. Much appreciated. I think uh, you brought in a different perspective, um, than the ones thank usually you. on here. So thank you for making time for us, and uh, you're always welcome back to join us here on Hammerlock Hangover. Thank you to all the Hammerites for you know allowing me to bring the objectivity of the professor here for y'all. And you can follow me on my Twitter at PWHustle, P-R-O-F. That's P-W-Hustle, P-R-O-F. And I host a nostalgic show called the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with myself and Mr. Wonderful Tommy Wonder. And we're going to do a spotlight, you know, check it out on the PWSL Networks at Podbean.com. We are going to spotlight the tag team of Doom of Ron Simmons and Butch Reese. So please check us out at PWSL Networks at Podbean.com. That is Fabulous awesome. Team. That is. And and uh, really, uh, yeah, we talked about Doom, uh, I think, a couple weeks ago uh, when the news came out about Butch Reed passing away. That should be a really good episode to listen. I'll be tuning into that one. Thank um, you too. Guys, I am, uh, you know, Steve, you can find me on Twitter at Big Daddy Cool, and you can find Jeff and I at Unpopular Review. We do uh, wrestling reviews. I do it Monday nights. We do a live stream right after Raw, and you can find that on YouTube. Just search Unpopular Review, and you will see the brand uh, they do movie reviews and wrestling reviews. Jeff does the NXT and AEW reviews on Wednesday night. Those are live streamed on YouTube and Twitch. So you can check those and out Facebook. there. And Facebook Live. But mostly uh, we want to definitely get you to like and subscribe over in uh, YouTube. Uh, we don't have as many followers uh, as the PW Hustle. But we definitely have aspirations to get up there. So, uh, yeah, we need more degrees. We need the we need more educated staff. We need a professor. On we need on a the, professor. On, there you go. Yeah, we need just to get follow there. the follow the tre trend, Steve. You're doing good. You're doing good. Don't worry. It Why would we follow Matt Taven? He's a Melvin. <laughs> For those Very who don't good. know, and that's probably everybody listening, Matt Taven is the trend now. Follow the trend is his is his catchphrase. And Matt Taven, oh, if you didn't know, is a wrestler in Ring of Honor. Not important. You don't care. He's a Melvin. I knew I knew uh about Taven. I just didn't know that was his new gimmick. Nobody All right cares. guys, that was 
<laughs> that was episode 18 of the Hammerlock Hangover. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Have a good one. Take it easy, everybody. Stay evil, my friends. Thanks for listening to the Hammerlock Hangover podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate us as if you were Okada in the Tokyo Dome and leave us seven stars or as many likes as you can. Please share our awesome podcast with all your friends and family who enjoy wrestling and your favorite social media outlet. If you want to interact with us, you can find Hammerlock Hangover on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at hammerlockhangover at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to catch you on the next episode.